Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalist. Matt Pagel here once again with Adam Chemielewski, continuing on with our short film festival. Uh, in this uh, in this episode, we'll be digging into Chema Selects. Um, and just as like a quick, uh, you know, quick little refresher, we uh, we are taking we each are taking four films, and um, we're taking four films, and we're just we're kicking them around, finding the good, bad, and ugly in all of them. Um, one film, uh, the films are all timed out to a certain uh, to a certain length. Nothing to exceed thirty five. One one movie doesn't exceed thirty five minutes. Another movie doesn't exceed fifteen. A movie up to five minutes, and a very very short film up to approximately two minutes long. Um, and there's some other rules in there about what we excluded, including some music videos and documentaries and anthology movies and things. But uh, that's all in the first part. There's a big open. We actually go into great detail about it, so we won't um, won't rehash that too much here. Uh, but in this one, we'll be going through Chema's four short films. And to that end, I will now turn it over to the man himself. Chema, how you doing, bud? Oh, I am doing absolutely fantastic, my friend. Thank you so much here on a beautiful Southern California Saturday afternoon and the uh, love of my life is currently on vacation in Sedona, Arizona, where she took her hanger to go see her parents. So, uh, yeah, man, I know. I Believe me, I've used that joke three times since I uh, had cracked it last time, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm going to milk that one for all it's worth. <laughs> so, But, yeah, man, everything is great over here. Really looking forward to uh, my half of the discussion today. And I'm going to start off. I wanted to ask you this question, and um, it's something so simple, but I, it actually took me a while to think about this. And Have you ever seen a short film in the theater? Um, I, I guess like it's like a kind of a yes-no. Okay. Um, in terms of like how we're discussing and discussing short films, no. Be- okay. would, in fact, I would be shocked if anyone has without going to a film festival. But right. there are like there is a point in time where like Pixar and stuff had some had some of their shorts before mm-hmm. their films. So okay. okay, yes, maybe. But realistically, like unless you're a person who goes to TIFF, can. Um, uh, uh, fucking uh, Sundance, the Cleveland, Cleveland, the Cleveland even, <laughs> you're not going to see short films anywhere. Right, right. And I, so the reason I put this on here, like I have been to the Cleveland Film Festival um, only a couple of times. I think I've been four times at the most. Mm-hmm. And in those four times, I didn't see short films. Mm-hmm. Like I saw like a documentaries that were all like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour plus or whatever. Right. And, um, I believe for the purpose of our discussion and the rules that we had established um, in the first episode, I don't believe that I have seen a short film in the theater by our standards either. And the closest thing that I would get would be in 2007 when Wes Anderson released the Darjeeling Limited, there were certain showings, if not maybe all of the showings, Mm that contained this um, like 10 to 15 minutes short that would, that played. And then you had like a brief, like, you know, fade to black and fade back into the Wes Anderson movie. And this was called hotel Chevalier and it starred Jason Schwartzman and Natalie Portman of, uh, of all people. Hmm. And um, it was this quick little short that they, they aired um, leading into the Darjeeling. And then towards the end of the Darjeeling, you, um, you see Natalie Portman kind of in the end really quickly. It kind of like brings like a full circle, I guess, like on right. her character. But I don't, I, I got to tell you, man, I don't necessarily think that it meets our qualifications because it feels like it is a chapter in the Darjeeling, like that this was originally part of the Darjeeling yeah. limited. And then they maybe 
cut out the scene, but it was still really good. So they decided to leave it in in some way. And they did that by creating this separate short film. Exactly. You're, you're, you're very, again, you basically have to go to, have to go to some, some variety of film festival, even like a collegiate film festival would have, right. if like if Kent State did one, they would have a bunch, a bunch of short films because movie theaters aren't like no one's first off, major studios don't make them. Um, unless they're like that, unless they're that sort of thing. Or like I said, like Pixar will have like a five minute short, um, before Mm -hmm. one of their movies, unless it's something like that. Studios don't make them. So there's no one to bargain with Cinemark or Regal (laughs) to like, Hey, I got to get this four minute short film into your theaters. And also what a fucking losing proposition for the theater owners to have. I mean, they can show it, I don't know, a hundred times a day, but, um, you know, you can't make any money off of them. So like, either a film festival or you got to go to some a second run theater that ha- will have like a like a weekend where they just have a bunch of short films so like you right. got to go to like cedar lee or something like that around here or you know wherever i'm sure you could find some place that does it in los angeles probably right now but <laughs> but you know for, for most people it's it's just it's really difficult to see these in theaters yeah like i was um i was thinking about making some more out of the short films and theaters in this outline and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't do it, man. Like I I was trying to like maybe explore this a little bit further, but I just, I don't really believe that there's any, with the exception of what you just talked about, which is just like, you know, the, the film festivals, the, Hey, the new Beverly's doing a short film kind of night or whatever. I just don't, like really see a place for short films in Cinemarks or anything like no, that. No. And, and even by the time, like even by the time Cinemark would get this, okay, let's just say there's like initial release date and somehow Cinemark gets it. It's already online, you know, mm-hmm. like even these Oscar nominated shorts, like they're all online. Yep. And, um, I just like, I even thought about maybe doing like a thought exercise, but I'm like, no, like there's really like, there's just no place. It seems like it's something that's always going short films will always be something that's reserved for the internet or the, the, um, the film festival circuit. Yeah. And which is, and we had this discussion, I'm pretty sure it was off air. We had discussion off air about how we kind of both came to short films around the same point in time. And it's, you know, when we're like sort of like a little slightly older in college and it's also not a huge coincidence that that's, also at the point in time where more filmmakers were putting their stuff online as like, right. not as like, Oh, we have to, not as like, Oh, well, I guess we could put it online. It's like, no, we have to put it online. Cause there will be an audience for it. Right. And like, I can understand like people being very skeptical about the internet and short films in the beginning and stuff. Like there's, it's still, you're probably still trying to figure this out. And like, you know, what if it gets seen and then somebody steals the idea right. and stuff like but by the time um, I had graduated college in 2000, 2010, and so like around this time period, like 2010 to the current present, like you have to do it. Like if there's anything you're mm-hmm. fucking doing this for, it is to put it on yep. YouTube, you know? Yep. Like, so it's a, it's amazing how much um, a mentality of, of an artist can shift in like a, a little bit of a time and basically only 10 years or so, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, continuing on, um, you know, I wanted to ask you this, uh, too. And like, in your opinion, like what are three things that make a short film, a good short film? Okay. I, I, there, I identified three things, but I don't necessarily think you have to have all three of them at the same time. Probably like two out of three. Of course. Yeah. Especially given the ones, some of the films that we're working with that like, well, I'll, I'll just dive into it here. Um, I feel like you need to have some kind of, at least an identifiable story arc. Like, mm-hmm. there's got to be something there that you can kind of latch on to as, like, 
uh, not necessarily a beginning, a middle, and end, but like you, you, you do need to be able to go like this thing is going someplace. Um, whatever place that's going, we'll find out. But that needs to be there. Um, I need to be left with like a memorable, a memorable visual or a memorable feeling. Um, short films, obviously, they can't like tell a really complex story, but they they do a really good job of leaving an imprint on you. Some kind of imprint. And it's usually something emotional or just a really good visual. So I, I need that from it. And then it's something that we touched on, um, we touched on at the end of uh, our first episode. I want, I want, there needs to, I want at least one question about what's going on answered. But then I want to be left with a question at least too. Because that, yeah. that's sort of, as we discussed, to me, it's like that I have, you did, this thing did its job of kind of hooking me, bringing me into the world and now wants me to know more about it. Right. Exactly. And like, no matter what, like, because you're only dealing with something that short of a, you know, short of a time period, you want to leave there knowing that there could be something more. Give right. me like some kind of mm-hmm. questions that, that I can ask that you're definitely right on that. I like what you're saying about the story arc too. It does give like the uh, concept of the beginning, middle and end of a story, which a, a lot of short films do. And it, it discourages like kind of like these I guess where it's like really fucking abstract kind of stuff, you know yes. what I'm saying? Where, yes. where you're like, where you're looking at, um, insert whatever you could possibly think of here, whether it be, I want to have a mannequin with a chainsaw that has a Philly cheesesteak on the top of her head. And it's going to be a five minute short about this mannequin, just being in LA in different places, you know, which I will personally assure you Someone made. some, yeah, somebody <laughs> has made that. Yeah. So like the idea of the story arc discourages that kind of um, discourages that kind of stuff, you know, where I I don't even really know if there's like a technical term for it or whatever. But um, having an actual story for us to follow is just that is just uh, one, you know, coincides with how we view movies and entertainment regularly. So a story arc is um, is definitely something that I that I really, really like as well. And um, what was the second one that you had? Uh, a memorable visual or feeling. Yes. I, I need, I need like, yeah. a, like almost like an emotional imprint, basically. Right, and like I'm, believe me, I cry at a lot of movies and television shows, so I am a sucker for an emotional imprint mm-hmm. being out, being left on me and everything. And if you, that is something that I, I kind of want with a lot of things, man, because like if you're you know, you need to, that's the emotional connection is like the fundamental, you know, we're talking about just like even the fundamentals of even liking movies and watching movies and listening to stories or watching stories, whatever it is, you know? So having that emotional connection is, um, I I think that is something that is really, really um, good that you mentioned and Mm -hmm. something that I think is really good to have in terms of judging a short film. So with, with mine, um, I do follow like the, um, with yours, the, the question, answer your question and stuff like for me i phrased it a little bit differently like i just like if i can imagine if i can immediately start to imagine the world beyond Mm -hmm. what i have seen absolutely genius Mm -hmm. you know i want to know more absolutely genius so uh you're and i on the note on point with that one and then uh for me number two is i want some creativity and like when i say creativity i'm really like this is a broad brush that i'm painting with here and so i guess just for the terms of for the sake of our discussion I mean, I want something that, you know, if you like we talked about last episode, how you could do things in short films that like you wouldn't Hollywood would never, ever touch. Give me something like that. You know, give me a reason that this is a short film and not Mm -hmm. a feature, you know. And hey, believe me, if and if it's something that you're completely making with the intention of turning it into a feature, tell me why. Show me why. 
So yeah. I really yeah. want a sh- nice little shot of what I'm calling creativity, which covers a lot of different things in the short film. And then the, um, the last one, which I feel is the most important is no dead weight, <laughs> like no fucking dead weight mm-hmm. whatsoever. And like when I watched, um, the movies that, that I had chose, there were some, there's definitely some dead weight in, in one of these. Um, but for the most part, the other ones don't really have that. Yeah. And even the short films on your list, there is no dead weight whatsoever and everything. And it's just, once again, like when you're working with um, a shorter time period, you have to get to the point. And now of course there's always room for a joke or two or something like that here. There's some levity along the way, but we really don't need a, three minute long tirade about a character that, you know, they, something about his life that will never, ever be relevant again in the, um, in the, in the, the short film, you know? Yeah, no, like, ex- exactly. You're not going to have, um, like, I, I know we've talked about it multiple times in the context of like how it influenced dialogue in a lot of movies in the nineties, but like the, um, reservoir dogs breakfast scene, and mm-hmm. how like it's just it's a conver- I mean it really is a conversation about nothing, other right. than giving some character tells and kind of filling in the blanks about who these people are a little bit. Um, there you can't do that in a short film. You can't right. have four minutes of nothing. Right, and you you can't yeah you can't even like so using that example the the diner scene from Reservoir Dogs can't be a short film either. You know, like it it almost seems like then you're just showcasing, you're showcasing your dialogue talent. Mm -hmm. And I I don't really know if even just shooting a dinner scene that has no conflict. I mean, it's, I mean, I I guess there's a start to it and there's technically an end to it, but you can't just have that, you know, like as great as it is and as iconic as it is, that doesn't stand alone as a short film, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not a set piece. Right. Right. Yeah, dude. Like, I gotta tell you, like the um, the dead weight thing is just like it's just like extremely. I feel it's just like so extremely important. And I, I remember watching um, the Punisher series on Netflix, like mm-hmm. and all those Netflix Marvel mo- mo- shows that they did. And like, there was this points in time where you're like, you're meeting a new character. Okay, ten minute monologue about where they're from and where this other stuff. And it's just like, dude, it's enough. And like, Thrones started to do that too, where hey, we get this character gets like a uh, a nice fifteen minute monologue, and then oh the next episode mm-hmm. you know? so, so um, I just I would crop the dead weight out of all of um, out of all short films and all feature length films all, all, anything yeah we could make a lot of, we right. could, there's so many things that we could make a lot shorter but yeah you're right and uh, just real quickly just to something that like when you talk about the creativity which is a really broad brush um, a lot of the a lot of the films that I, I stumbled across that were like proof of concept films you know they just I, I guess we could talk about them but they really wouldn't fit in well with what we're doing um, mm-hmm. those are like, I actually really enjoy those proof of concept films because it really is sort of like, all right, five, six minutes. I'm going to give you as much creativity as I can in that five, six right. minutes to show you that I can do something even bigger or we can expand upon this. And so while there is like, there's one in particular I'm thinking of, um, I, I can't, I want to say the, the name of the short is like Ayami. Um, okay. it has like a, it has like a, it has like a, I, I, I don't really don't know what it's about. Um, but it's like in this like sort of desolate, like winter wasteland. It's got a, it has a fucking, um, voiceover by John Hurt actually, uh, um, which is kind of interesting. And it's just this, this, um, clearly this like soldier, like peeling off. It looks like some kind of like almost like living armor 
until like she like reveals like the person underneath the living armor and like that's it like that's the whole thing and i'm like i don't know what the fuck this is actually about the voiceover doesn't even match anything that's going on but like but i'm like this is this whatever the fuck you're doing here i can kind of see what you're like I could almost see what movie you would be trying to make with this, even though I don't yeah. know what the fuck's going on because it's just, it's, <clears throat> right. it's a, it's an undiluted raw shot of creativity. Right. Of course. Yeah. I got to check. I got to check that one out. Like the, um, the earliest proof of concept trailer that I remember seeing was for, um, Leviathan. Yeah. Which my God, as far as like a proof of trailer thing, I was blown away by oh, that. Was awesome. I was like, God, awesome. I was like, dude, this is incredible and stuff. And honestly, that's like, that is three minutes right there of just going balls to the fucking wall. And I, I can't remember if that ever became anything, if they ever expanded upon that specific story. But, uh, I love that three minute movie, man. And, and that was like, that was no joke the first like proof of concept trailer I had ever seen. Like one of my buddies came over and he's just like, yeah, you know, they're starting to do these things now because of YouTube called proof of concept trailers. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to check this out. And I, I, I was, I was hooked on that. I was like, man, I would, if I was a producer, like that'd be something I would buy right away. Yeah, exactly. It's they're, they're tough to talk about beyond just like, man, that was really fucking cool. Um, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, because they, they really do. They're like, you're just lacking a lot. Like they're not trying to be a, a contained story. Um, so like they are kind of hard to talk about, but in terms of creativity, mm-hmm. for sure, like that's, they, they definitely are just like, here we go. Let's strap in. This is creative <laughs> yeah. as I'm going to be in three minutes. Yep. You bet. By the time you're done with that cigarette, this thing will be over with and you'll need another one. Yep. <laughs> okay, man. So let's move into the main discussion of the, uh, of the day, which, um, are going to be the four short films that I selected. And I'm going to read those off to you now, which are, uh, fresh guacamole, which is a 2012 short film by Adam Pesapane. And he goes by P E S as a pseudonym. So that's like, when you look him up on Wikipedia, that is like what shows up. It's P E S Mm -hmm. not Adam Pesapane. And it's a one minute and 40 second long short film. The second one is called Make Your Maker, which came out in 2012, and it is directed by Lucy McRae at three minutes and three seconds. The third one, um, which is the uh, up to 15 minute one, is called Pitch Black Heist, which is a 2011 short film directed by John McLean. McLean! Yeah, not uh, not Bruce Willis in Die Hard, <laughs> but I would love to see John McLean from Die Hard direct a movie. Um and this one clocks in at 13 minutes and 44 seconds. And then the last one is called Day 1000. And this is a 2011 30 minute and one second short film directed by Alex Caleros. And before we start the discussion, um, prior to this episode, had you seen any of the four on this list? I had not, no. Um, it, I, I feel like I vaguely remember discussion about fresh guacamole. Um, several you know years ago, but like otherwise, no, I have not seen any of these. Okay, yeah, I um I saw two of them. I saw Fresh Guacamole um back around the time that it had come out, and uh, same thing with Day One Thousand. Um, I saw that a while ago. Okay. on a, on a whim. This was just one of those like, hey, we're sitting around drinking, smoking, like, hey, dude, there's this short film, let's check this out, kind of stuff. So mm. that's how I had saw that. And we're gonna begin with Fresh Guacamole 
which uh, like I said is 2012. And uh, the reason that I had chose this movie for the discussion is because this is the shortest film that has ever been nominated for an Academy Award and clocking in at one minute and 40 seconds. And plus the director using a pseudonym, uh, I kind of had to know what was going on with that. So I thought like, you know, the Prince and all this stuff and everybody using these weird names, I thought maybe that this would be something that uh, would, would be worth my interest and worth checking out. And I did really like it. So um, I want to ask you to start off with, um, so in terms of short films specifically, um, does animation have any advantage over live action shorts? Yeah, there it's in it, it's we we talked we touched on in the last episode we touched on cost um, mm-hmm. being a big deal with the with the shorts. You you know you you basically are you know making a movie for a, a just an absolute minuscule amount compared to like a full feature. Well, when you do it in animation, you can also reduce the budget even further. Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, you know, from what you, what it would cost to get actors and sets and everything else, even for a short film, that costs more money than just animating it. So you can make a very so not just a, 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 I'll expand upon that it's cost, but you can make a very interesting, expansive world and fill it with a lot of visuals for a fraction of the cost, even from a, what it would take to do that in a short film otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, dude. Costs are one hundred percent a thing. I mean, that is could be the main number one thing when going the animation route compared to going live action. The uh, the thing that I had thought of, um, and what I basically I want to get your thoughts on here is, I think animation also has this really great advantage. Where you remember the mannequin example that I just mm-hmm. used with the the Philly cheesesteak and all that stuff. I think animation, these collages of imagery, I think work a little bit better in animation. Now, some of them like could easily tell a story. You know, it could just be like watching an animated stick figure walk along a path and different things happen to him, whatever it is. You know, it could be like that right there actually like kind of tells the story. Not what I was not the example that I wanted to use to make my point. (laughs) So like um, I guess like with animation now, this particular short film does elaborate on the process of making guacamole. So there is definitely a like steps to be followed and everything like that. And people who know how to make guacamole and everything like that, you know, there's some familiarity there and he presents this in a very, very creative way. But I just think that like animation, um, if the mannequin movie was an animated some way animated and might be better than if it was live action. So I think that these kind of like very arty abstract collages of imagery work or at least have the opportunity or maybe have a slight advantage to work better in an animated setting than they do in live action. I, I would agree with you 100% and sort of just to expand on that, on that thought um, and, and kind of bring into something we talked about last time when we talked about how, um, short films are really, really true, like pieces of auteur uh, artwork and filmmaking. That even more so, animated animated shorts are mm-hmm. pieces of auteur um, filmmaking because someone had to make that by hand. Someone right. had to had to do every frame, do every. I mean, obviously, it's not like it used to be, but like in other words, someone had to weigh in on every single piece of that animation to make it look how it looked. So, like, yeah, it, it's there's sort of like it's a hard it's a hard way to like put it together but like the the bizarre animated short with a mannequin with a chainsaw would just inherently be more interesting if it was drawn versus Mm -hmm. a live action thing 
Yeah, dude. And like, I, I've seen these animated stuff and I'm sure you've probably seen example. I'll just kind of describe this as very general, like, but there, it always starts off with like an image and then the image like expands into another image and that yeah. image expands into another image or it reverses and they collapse into various in- images and stuff like those for a minute or two can look awesome you know and like that right there like it doesn't even have to follow a story it's just a trippy ass video Mm -hmm. of shapes moving around but it totally fucking works and because it's animated it just i don't know you're right it just has this whole like it just shows it's a little bit more arty somebody took a little bit more time with this like there's a just a cool kind of presentation to it and i think that like animation is um it's you know if you're doing like one of these showcase pieces which may be the 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 only way i can describe it where you're just showcasing talent that is the that is the outlet for it is animation yeah it like here's a quick quick thought exercise um, have two people take photographs of the same subject and right. they'll turn out different, like, you know, depending on what they wanted to focus on or whatever, um, have two people draw a subject and you could get two wildly different drawings, mm-hmm. but you won't yeah. get two wildly different photographs because the medium doesn't really allow for that something th- totally off the wall. Definitely. Yeah, that is a really great example. Yeah, 100 fucking percent on that. Yeah. And like with the I mean, you could put 100 people in a room drawing the same thing and all of them could be different. Like none of them being the same and stuff. No, that's a really, really good way to put it for sure. So with a runtime of less than two minutes fresh, like I said, it's the shortest uh, animated movie to ever be nominated for an academy or shortest film to ever be nominated for an academy award uh do you feel that this movie is worth a academy award short film nomination so this is kind of a tough one because like i'm not sure what else it was up against like even if you were to name them off Mm -hmm. like i I probably would have no familiarity with it (laughs) Um, (laughs) so so like in, in that regard i'm like i'm not really sure but it does like watching this, and I really like. I, it's really cool. Like the the concept, the animation is really cool, and the way that we're we're using the the sort of the regular objects, quote unquote, to make uh, to make the guacamole. It's really cool. But this just feels like something that the Academy would love, because mm-hmm. it just I don't know I don't know exactly know how to put it. It just feels like something the Academy would go. Well, of course, don't you understand this? Right. Like, like right. to other people, like it just feels like they would say that to someone. So, uh, yeah, in, in that regard, like, I, I don't know. It feels like if there's such thing as an Oscar bait short film, this would be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it is it is really great. Like, it's, it's a really, like, interesting example of the power of one person's imagination, their their editing skills, their or animated skills, or edi- their animation skills, their editing skills, and just sort of the way they, you know, we, we're taking these regular objects to make something, you know, that is quote-unquote normal, but just do it in sort of a fantastical way. So, like... It's interesting. I have no idea if it's worth it or not, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, I worth it might be the – I maybe should have put something – a different way of phrasing it in there because even as I think about this, I mean, hearing your answer, I'm not – I have no idea what this was up against. You know, I mean, like, when you look at the Wikipedia page, it tells you who it lost to in the first three sentences, and even that one, I have no idea what the right. hell it is, like paper or something, or I don't know, idea, whatever. But um, I also – will tell you again that um in terms of like animated short films like i i am not 
super, super knowledgeable as far as like the history of them and the influences of this particular short film from years ago. You know, I don't know if there is a easy comparison. You know, if you're looking at um, if you're looking at PES and you're like, oh, my God, he's the next so and so. Yeah. Like, I, I, who is that so and so to me? So like um, I just even just in what the knowledge that I do have the animation style for 2012 um there's nothing this this seemed very very fresh to me like mm-hmm. I I mean I've seen you know similar like stop motion stuff just like but nothing that is on the same kind of creativity level as this I haven't seen anything that is as arty as this like leading up to 2012 but um I would say that nowadays um I think that this film might get lost in the shuffle. Like, um, mm-hmm. I, and believe me, it's not, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'd still look at it and oh, be like, sure. Oh my God, this is yeah. great. But like with the, with just the flood of things that we have, like even just like on your Instagram feed and I follow all these like indie filmmaker kind of Instagram feeds that just show you different things about film, how to do stuff or little mm-hmm. examples people have done. I mean, there people are putting, you know, hundreds of hours into videos that are just getting put out on Instagram. So this thing, I think this might get lost in the shuffle in a modern day setting. But, um, but that is only because this market is even more crazier now than it was eight years ago. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. This is, this is something that is very of its time, but not in Mm -hmm. a bad way. It's just sort of like, it's sort of like, uh, you're, Oh, I know this is like, Oh, it would be too, over the top here but like going to a museum and seeing like a piece of artwork that's like clearly no one's been doing this art for a hundred years it, right this sort of this sort of animation is not something you really see that often anymore right right exactly you know and i mean who knows there could be animators out there that are like this could be like the godfather to them i just don't i'm not in that circuit right. you know i made right. I, I made three videos where godzilla smokes weed as far as stop motion animation goes i don't have a deep <laughs> right. knowledge i don't have a deep knowledge of it you know so <laughs> okay so yeah but in general like i, I really like that one for a, for a minute and 40 seconds i was um i was pleasantly surprised and it was cool to yeah. see the way that all the different things would get cut up and how they put it into the guac and i even like the idea of the um the even somehow worked in the idea of the chip cracking which mm-hmm. um, was just this little detail that i was um i was very proud that somebody took because that had that basically happens like eight out of ten guacamole chips oh, that sure. you're going to do with a single chip yep so the the fact that that little like life occurrence made its way into the um the short film i really dug i, really I think dug that. i think this is also the shortest film of all the films that we've selected even the honorable mentions Yes, if, for, as far as my honorable mentions go, definitely. Okay. Yes, you, you bet. So I would think, yeah, even the ones um yours too. Yeah, yep. without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this is the shortest one and uh, the shortest uh, movie to ever be nominated for an Academy Award. So, all right. So I want to move along into, this one is a very interesting um, selection. And I'm not going to lie. This was my, I'm searching through Vimeo. Like I was just kind of, this was my random one. Like I okay. really had like, this just totally came out of nowhere for me. Gotcha. And I was uh, searching on Vimeo and stuff. And the first image they had of this kind of like this face, this is like all like kind of done up face. Um, I saw that and I was very intrigued and I'm like, okay, I must uh, kind of check this out and kind of get to know it a little bit. So this film, Make Your Maker by Lucy McRae, uh, 2012. This one is a three minute and three second long short film. So um, let's see here. Okay. So I want to ask you if you are able to describe this short film in one sentence to a random person, what would that sentence be? Um, this was 
clearly something on the mind of the writer and director. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that they were even sure what was on their mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is um, okay. Yeah, that that is definitely that's a good sentence. I'll say mine, and um, mine is just like eating a clone of yourself looks pretty cool. Yeah. So it's um, okay. This is one of these ones where this going back to the mannequin example, this is almost to the mannequin example. Yeah. Okay. Like um, this is actually um, very, very close to fresh guacamole, just live action. The topic is cloning and it's like set in this, you know, it's set in some crazy kind of like uh, setting and stuff like yeah. that. The, so um, I, like once again, this being just like kind of like my random one that I had pulled out of uh, pulled out of nowhere. Uh, I okay, it's just basically visuals. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that, that's basically like what exactly. I'm what I'm like looking at here. It's just basically fucking. It's just visuals and stuff. Yes, it's cool. It doesn't really go anywhere. But hey, it's three minutes of really cool stuff to look at. You know. So I um I'm not gonna lie for going kind of the blind route. I really wanted something more to talk about other than visuals. Like I thought mm-hmm. there would be a little bit more to this, but in kind of seeing some of the other videos that the director did, which is also on their Vimeo page is pretty much in line for her, okay. for her stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, so, I'm, I'm just going to real quickly, I'm going to take it back to sort of the three things that I mentioned when making like a good short film. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'd like, I, I find this bad by necessarily, but like right. it comes up short on, two out of the three things like there's a lot of good visuals like that I'm, I'm still remembering it like it's got an unmistakable visual style to it and I'll, I'll you know I'll remember like the sort of the way like the people are being like clo- or you know grown basically um but like there's not really any kind of story to it um other than you know apparently you're sitting there eating your your own clone like you know mm-hmm. okay fine right. that's that's fine um but also like no questions were answered and I have a ton. Um, so it's like, so not that, again, like I, like I said before, you don't need all three of those things for me to like, to, to, you know, to show up and make a good film, a uh, good short film. But in this case, like I needed at least one more of them to be present because right. the visuals were there. It looks great. It's really interesting looking, but I'm just sort of like, okay, but why, right. why this, why this, why this, why this, there's no answers. Yeah. And like, I got to tell you, like, even for this being a process and there are some people out there that may look at something like this and label it as an arc. I, I don't think that this is like an actual arc. No. You know, like I, I think that it's um, it's basically a really, really futuristic tasty video, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like um, I don't view a process as a story arc, you know, like even dude, I've seen so many goddamn videos of people making shit during this pandemic and stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, everything from fucking grills to, to stuff that you hang, hang clothes on. And those they're not, that's not a story arc to me. Even if the guy drops a hammer on his foot in the middle of the process, it's still not a climax. That's not necessarily a plot twist. Right, you right. know. So, um, it's uh, it's it's just like something that you're you're basically looking at this festival of imagery and everything like that. And I, I'm not gonna lie, like if I was if I saw this in a short film festival, like in the theater setting, it it may 
um, do a little bit more for me to like see it on the big screen in sure. terms of the presentation goes. But the fact that something does look cool does not shy away from the fact that there's like that there's no real story. The fact that you basically have a truckload of questions and stuff, and it, I almost feel that like somehow like a minute at the uh, an additional minute of of events leading up to her making the clone would maybe set this off to have a little bit more of a story arc kind of feel to it. But um, at right where it sits right now, I, I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's cool. So you, you made something that looks really cool. Yeah. If, if they made this four minutes long, uh, if Lucy McCray made this four minutes long and that minute set, set the stage or set some kind of um, even dude, we could have even had a scroll that mm-hmm. described the fact that like, um, we don't do farming anymore because like right. the earth's been scorched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, something like that. Exactly. Then it would. And, it still wouldn't like. I wouldn't be like, oh, well, this is brilliant. This is genius. But it would. It would answer questions as to why we're doing this. Of course, that that's exactly right. It would at least give you a little bit of some kind of direction, a lay of the land type thing, so you could see something developing in this atmosphere that's been described in a couple sentences for yeah, sure. Yes. That, okay. So, how far into the future, like in your estimation, you know, like I don't know, there's no right answer here. Would you say that this movie is? Yeah. This is so that was I was kind of operating on that sort of when you asked this question, I was like, okay, so. If I were to, again, add a minute to this and kind of describe why we're growing our own clones and eating them, um, you know, so probably the earth is scorched or, like, farmland's kind of fucked up. So, like, I would say minimally 60 years, probably getting closer to, like, 100 years, 100 plus years in the future. So let's, like, say between 60 and 100 just to ballpark it. Because we're already growing meat. Mm -hmm. We can already do that. So it's, it's really not... It's not like two, three hundred years in the future. This reality is much closer than we realize. So I'm, I'm guessing sixty to a hundred. Okay, I, I have it at a little bit slimmer. I have it at fifteen to twenty. Okay. Um, I'm only I'm only basing this because um I am aware of somebody in the greater Los Angeles area who owns a cloned dog. This guy cloned his dog. Um, yeah. And it is a it's a full healthy. It's not like I mean we're talking an actual big ass dog. By the know, way, possibly cloned dog. Possibly. That is very true. I wouldn't tell him that, but he, because he probably paid a shitload of money for it. But, like, that's sort of like, eh, maybe it's cloned. I mean, they definitely use DNA from the dog, but it, like, a clone is probably not the best way to put it. But anyway. Not the point. I gotcha. Yeah, that's how that's how he describes it. Yeah, so that's the point. Believe me. <laughs> right, right. Um, you're right. That guy could have got a little bit of a taken for a ride there as far in terms yeah. of um, labeling of the product and everything like that. But uh, yeah, man. So like with, with this whole thing, um, I, I don't believe that, you know, if it's dogs, humans are humans are next. And there are one of three things is going to happen to the first clone that was created the minute that the second clone is created. And that thing is either going to be shot, had sex with or eaten. Yep. So the fact that this, this woman <laughs> yeah, is um, all of them, all three, <laughs> all, of them, yeah, all of them, and who knows what order. Yeah. <laughs> 
but um so like this person um making a clone of herself and eating it uh yeah i could see that happening like somebody's gonna do that it's just i'm telling you like i said this could be the fourth clone that that's made but that is going to happen Mm -hmm. within the first like week of um more than one clone existing in the world yep yeah (laughs) and it's it's gonna be some rich asshole um Mm -hmm. fucking himself basically (laughs) and then murdering himself yep (laughs) i know that's like i just go back there's like i go back to the homelander thing from the boys where that guy morphed into um homelander and started blowing him and stuff like that like there's going to be so many people that are carrying out that specific fantasy and and that is that where we just talked about that is 100 percent assured as death and taxes i will promise you Mm -hmm. that everybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so with um you know with these two stories so these like okay so technically these when you're watching it they have a beginning and the middle and an end yeah oh sorry um but they you know minimal characters minimal conflict does it still qualify as a story i i would say no to fresh guacamole and give make your make your maker a tentative yes um only and i and i say that because i like i'm mentally filling in the gaps of how we got to where we got to um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the end, the end, uh, the very end of Maker Maker helps, um, because like, it looks like they're in like a storefront that they're, so it's like almost like maybe this is something that's already been like commodified, like making your own uh-huh. clone and eating it at a restaurant. Um, so like I would say a, a tentative yes to Maker Maker and no to fresh guacamole. Um, cause it is, that is truly, it is 100% a process that we're watching. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, it's totally fine because you can sort of. Um, with fresh guacamole, you can map your own impressions and beliefs onto it, however you want to right. do that. And that's totally fine. So, like, if you if you do think it's about something, you want to say the, the portion where, like, the Monopoly pieces, the Monopoly houses are involved. If you want to say that's about the fucking, the perils of capitalism and this the way the capitalist society is taking over everything, okay. <laughs> it's it's yeah. there for you. You can do that with Maker Maker, but probably, probably to a lesser degree. Um, but, like... Yeah, like the way fresh guacamole is, it's just it's just here's this thing, and then go ahead and think whatever you want to think about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm I'm in the whole thing. Like, yeah, definitely no on fresh guacamole, and like I'm a little bit warmer to the idea of calling Maker Maker a story yes, because yeah. like there is some kind of allusion to atmosphere, and even like when you're looking at in front of you all the different tools and all the yes, stuff that she exactly. has, those are big like atmospheric, you know, like selling points or like things that draw your attention that you're able to kind of look in your mind and formulate some kind of idea of what the world is around you and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like I'm, I'm a little bit warmer to that, but in all reality, like these are basically like they're procedural journeys. Um, One of them is just a little bit more like a story than the other one is. Mm -hmm. So which one out of the two um, do you like? Did you like the most? Well, it should be, Fresh guacamole, uh, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. A fun little visual treat, um, and and sort of you know now that now that you brought it into focus, it just kind of it makes sense. Definitely like a time capsule into what animation and stuff was like about ten, you know, eight to ten years ago. Yeah, dude, that was by that was my selection as well. I was very very impressed with it. Um, even back then, I really dug it, and I'm telling you, man, like that is just—it's just a like that's one minute and forty seconds of your life that is not a big investment at all. Right. And like, even if that was awful, I still don't even think that I would completely thrash it because it was just one minute and forty seconds right. out of my life. Right. That's <laughs> so. isn't that's really like one of the beautiful things about this 
Like I've I watched there's like another like 15 films that I've watched in the past couple weeks and it's mm-hmm. like you know only there's only a couple that I like turned off cuz they they were they were not good. Like legitimately they right. were not good. There's only a couple I turned off. Most of the other ones, I'm like, well, it's going to be over in like two minutes anyway, so I might as well just like stay here for the ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, I got nothing else going on. Yeah, it would it would take you longer to fucking think of something else to watch right. than it would be for you to just, sit just through finish the, the rest of that. Yep. stop. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. All right, man. So let's move into number three. This is Pitch Black Heist, 2011, directed by John McClane, starring Liam Cunningham and Michael Fassbender. So Davos and Magneto in a movie That's together. Right. And um, the reason that I wanted to talk about this, like this is something that, uh, number one, I'm surprised I didn't have more of, is star power in a short film. Mm-hmm. Like this does happen Um actually often like this happens I, yes. I think more often than people people think re- realize yep right and um i, I kind of think it's cool like i there's something about um big time stars doing stuff like this that i that i think is really cool like i, I mean it's just you know they it's just interesting to see some of these people in a different medium i guess mm-hmm. you know and i'm not gonna lie like just the fact that Michael Fassbender like took some time to out of his like you know fucking lavish lifestyle and everything like to do a short film. It's just I don't know. It just kind of shows like a, maybe like a difference between the actors that really really act and like you know the um just the faces that sell movies. I guess sure like Fassbender like I actually feel like he's in several short films. Um, if you go through his IMDb, um, whereas I, Tom Cruise isn't doing a short film. No, not a chance. Never. Not a, nope. no. And like even something like him um doing the short film or whatever, like that would just be that would just be so out of character for Tom Cruise it wouldn't work. It unless, could be the unless it was form. unless David Miscavige was directing it and it was about getting more people into the uh, Church of Scientology. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, him as like that would actually be a great short film idea where he's a Scientology guy, something like that. Like that could be that could something that could work. But still, it's it's one of these things where like I feel like Tom Cruise, it's it's almost like too distracting, and because he's never done it before, right? It's going to be a million more times distracting oh, as it sure. would as it would be, and everything like that. And that is actually I'm glad we got that in there because um I I. The whole distraction element, and I mean, we've talked about this before when, like, you know, big stars will show up in areas and it's just it's just really out of place or whatever. Mm -hmm. They could even they could be even good in it, but there's still something about it that's just like, uh, I I don't know. And like Jess and I were were rewatching The Office and like that point in time where Idris Elba is there as much as I love Idris Elba, that guy is the man. But for some reason, it's just like Idris Elba in The Office and he's great. He's 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 funny at times, but it's still it's just. It's Idris Elba in the office. Like Idris Elba's the man, you know. Like, what's he doing there? So, right. like, I, I I wanted to get into some a, a little bit of the d- distraction um, part of this whole thing. But um, the question that I really have is that you know, like, with so with the exception of um, you know, with uh, basically Renly Baratheon in Limbo, mm-hmm. uh, your films were a majority unknown actors and stuff, or like not you know, A-list stars and, and same thing with the same thing with mine. So when you do have some big stars in a short film, do you like, do your expectations, like does it raise your expectations of the short film? No, it, it, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, only because I know that 
a lot of just sort of the thing we touched on there a lot of like actors like real capital a actors do a ton of these they do a lot Mm -hmm. of short films they're in they do a lot of theater um so it's not like shocking to me or nor does it like really raise any expectations um if now having said that if someone like tom cruise or like the rock or like vin diesel were to pop into a short film that would be distracting and I would mm-hmm. be like, why are why are you guys in this movie? This doesn't make any sense for what's going on. But like in right. terms of it, just thinking about this, you know, just kind of focusing on Pitch Black Heist here, um, especially in 2011, Fastbender wasn't the commodity that we think of him being right now. Um, right. Sure, certainly people knew about him and stuff. It, you know, he was already at this point. It was what like four or five years after 300. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I want to say that he had like another sort of starring vehicle at some point in time in between there. But like Fassbender wasn't wasn't anything in particular. Liam Cunningham, yeah. guarantee you, no one knew who Liam Cunningham was in America um, no. <laughs> at, at this point in time. But at the same time, even even fast forwarding to now, they're both capital A actors that right. do indie films, that do short films, that do all kinds of stuff. So for in this particular movie, it doesn't really like change a ton for me. Um, but like, it, I guess in, I guess my long winded answer is just it's just it depends on who the actor is. Um, okay. it's so like if, again, if someone, if Brad Pitt were to drop into a short film, I would be very confused by that. Um, yeah. that would sort of, uh, maybe not raise the expectations, but I would be, I would be looking at him the entire time. Like what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. Right. I got you, dude. I gotcha. And like, once again, agree with you on the distractions and stuff. Um, 100% on that. And like, I, okay, I guess now this is, I don't know if this is just me, but I don't necessarily know if I have expectations from short films. Like I have all the expectations in the world for the new Batman. And if you would love to do a separate episode of a podcast, that's three hours. We can definitely cover (laughs) all of them. But um, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't know how to have expectations for a short film and stuff. Like it doesn't mean that I'm not like excited to see it or whatever. Um, These things with the stars it, it raises my curiosity. I guess that yeah, like yeah. exponentially shoots through the roof. And it, and, and like and Chema, real, I don't interrupt you. I'll be real quick. Oh, oh, it yeah. did for this movie. Yeah, it raised oh, my curiosity significantly. Right, it, it, dude. Exactly. And like just seeing Fassbender and Liam Cunningham together, it's like, oh Jesus God, you know, like this is this is awesome. And um, I this is no joke. Like I um I can't. This was like one of these things where like I think I found a list or something like that, and I was like, oh these two, like this would be a great mm-hmm. one to do, you know. So this is one I had no experience um prior to selecting it for the um for this episode and stuff, and like I. Yeah, man. Like, I, that's the best way to put it. Like, I don't know how to have expectations for these. Like, you could tell me something is sci-fi, but like, since it's a short film, I'm not. Ex- I'm like immediately out the door, not expecting like this big festival of CGI and creatures and war and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you could tell me a short film is horror. At the way least, like my expectations might be some blood or something, like a, a scare. You know, mm-hmm. but those are the the scare part is implied. The blood thing, I could really give a shit if that makes it in there or not, especially right. if the scare is good. So. The only thing that this, the movie star does is just raise is just raises a curiosity. Like at no point in time did I ever expect anything. And even though that this freaking short film is called Pitch Black Heist, yeah, I didn't really expect a robbery or in the dark to take place, even though it's in the fucking title. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. I because I was just like, okay, yeah, it's, so it's 
these two guys, let's see what happens. And then I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh wow, there actually is a pitch black heist in this, um, in this short film and stuff like that. So, um, so once again, just curiosity, it just gets amplified a million times over at the thought of bigger stars being in um, short films. Mm -hmm. And like with other than name recognition, is there anything special that Fassbender and Liam Cunningham brought to this short film that unknown actors could not bring? Um, You know, I I, I wouldn't say it's special, but there's like a noticeable... um, like when you when you look at um especially like in when we look at the ne- your next film day one thousand and then you mm-hmm. look at my films uh prospect and um into a lesser degree standby there's just more polish to the performance mm-hmm. that these are people that have spent even at even in going back ten years two thousand eleven especially well i mean liam Cunningham's in the sixties guy's been acting for like forty years um <coughs> excuse me that there's just like a professional polish to it that you can definitely see that that unknown actors or r- real amateur actors, they just don't have yet because they mm-hmm. haven't done it enough yet. Um, right. So there's just like a polish to it. And and it's sort of, I'm going to try to articulate this the best I can. Um, some other short films from filmmakers, since they really don't have like a standout actor, um, you know, there isn't a Liam Cunningham in Prospect. Um they're sort of they don't know necessarily what to draw on from these other people that can mm-hmm. kind of pull other little character notes or anything out. Whereas like if you had not that it would I'm not saying that putting Liam Cunningham as the father in prospect would make it any better or any worse, but if you did have him in that role as the father, there are definitely some things that you could ask him to do that would sort of like in imply a little bit more character. Just because mm-hmm. he's been acting for so long and he's like really good at his craft. Right, right. It's there's something with a guy who's seasoned. They know how to convey certain things better than some of yes. the unknowns do. Yeah, and like um, and like you're right. With so take prospect for example and everything. Now, what would come to my mind just hearing because like number one, that's something I definitely agree with, and um, number two, the things that would come to my mind immediately would be like almost like the way he looks at the daughter, maybe like Mm -hmm. a patting on the shoulder or something at a certain time, like something that is probably not even written into the actual script itself, but it's something that through experience, he knows how to convey a father son or father daughter relationship, maybe a little bit better than the other guy did. And like, I thought the other guy did a really, really great job. And like, I'm not necessarily saying here that like a shoulder tap or a wink or a head nod may completely put Liam Cunningham (laughs) in a, in a superior performance. But like, there's just something about these seasoned dudes that um, that you're right. They just know how to present that situation a little bit better. Mm. And like, I agree with you on the polish. I think that might be like how I was trying to, phrase it in my mind is that there is just something about the two of them interacting together that we're not going to get from an unexperienced uh, set of actors. Mm-hmm. And it, it particularly becomes noticeable, at least for me in the transition between them kind of playing pool to the arm wrestling, um, yes. the arm wrestling yes. part. Yes. And like, 
So when they're doing playing pool, it's almost like this kind of self-aware thing. Like they're just kind of staring at the screen or whatever, you know, and like there's this little kind of joke where it's just like, you know, should we get back to it? Whatever, it, whatever it is. And then the next scene, they're kind of like everybody's got a little bit more drinks in them and stuff, you know, and now they're getting ready to arm wrestle. And there was something about like the I guess like the energy that the two of them had brought, like it was almost kind of this like, okay, yeah, now we're friends. Like the situation's like a little bit more looser now. I don't think that um, a less experienced actor, unless they were just a freaking like almost like a prodigy would be able to convey that kind of energy and those kind of facial expressions, the timing, the chemistry, all that stuff I think would be off. And I can't, I can't say how, but Mm -hmm. I, I feel that it would be off in some way, shape or form. Uh, dude, it's it's a hundred percent agree. It's sort of the whenever whenever we do sports episodes, we talk about like the importance of having veterans on a team. Yeah, there, dude, you can just tell you could have a team with all the talent in the world. Doesn't matter what sport it is, if mm-hmm. they don't have veterans on that team who are also talented, it just right. they don't look right. Right. Oh yeah. And dude, like I'm going to give you an example. I know you'll, you'll probably be very familiar with this. Like in terms of the expanse, um, in the first season. The um, okay, it's like the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. The the crew had just been you know framed for the the Canterbury explosion and yeah. everything, and they're taken in by the Martians. The name of the character I cannot remember off the top of my head, but he's like a younger guy with dark hair, and he's got the beard and everything, and he's in the room being questioned by the the Martian leader who ends up dying at the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and like this guy. In the beginning of the show, he's delivering these lines almost like the way I would expect somebody to do this. It's almost like he's kind of got this like slower style cadence to him. He's like he's sounding like he's trying to sound badass. The lines themselves, um, they have this like um, almost kind of like very, very short and very, very abrupt kind of um, length to them, which just is that cool guy kind of delivering the lines. But as the show progresses, he moves out of this a little bit and he moves into a little bit more of like a rounded character and stuff. And he ditches that kind of cool guy voice. Um, and he still does it at times, but there's just this, the cool guy voice, like he's really trying to act. It's kind of gone. And he's just now naturally working himself into the character. So like people can grow in the course of the season. And like, there are actors, even like game of Thrones, there's a bunch of actors that got oh, yeah. better throughout the course of time. So like, um, I feel that like, those are just, these are just things that, um, are going to be gotten with experience, you know, and yeah. whether it's the experience of being on the set of an expanse every day for, for the duration of an entire season, or just your experience through being in a bunch of movies like Michael Fassbender and Lee and Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Did. So it's like, yeah, I can't really describe it, but it's definitely going to be like off in like some way for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, the, what did you like the most about this short film? So besides the fact that we had like the professional polish from two, two veteran actors, um, I, re- I really like in inside of this movie the concept, like the 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 one that really. I mean, we don't really get to see it until obviously the very end, but like I really like the idea that someone designed a vault room that is light sensitive. Yeah. Um it, it's it like we've seen all of the twists on a, on a heist film. We've seen them all. There's rooms that are sound sensitive, that are like earthquake, that are you know vibration sensitive, that are whatever mm-hmm. so heat heat sensitive, temperature sensitive. Um, why these movies just don't incorporate all of them together to make basically one completely impenetrable vault, I don't know. But um, but like it's one of those things. It's like it's just a fun twist in like what the heist film is. So we know that these guys are going to have to do their job totally in the dark. 
um, which is kind of cool. But from a practical standpoint, you don't have to show any of the heist. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. Very practically speaking, we don't have to show what this fucking room looks like at all. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's so simple. And like I said, completely did not even expect a robbery in the darkness in this movie <laughs> from the title. <laughs> that man, that was Adam real, really being a dumbass there. I thought that was so simple and something that like, I'm almost like punching myself in the dick for not like thinking about it. I'm like, are you ne- like really light sensitive? And like, I'm going back to mission impossible where the vault is pressure sensitive, sound sensitive and heat sensitive, but it's not light sensitive. And like, I'm going through every other vault in the history of robbery movies, the casino vaults in oceans 11 were not even light sensitive. Right. And, and I'm just like, wow, like this is, so simple, but such a very different and really cool, unique take on the heist movie, and then it all takes place in darkness. I, I thought that was really cool. That was my that was my yeah. favorite part about it. Yeah. Too. Oh, like, absolutely. Easily, easily, easily. Okay. So with the end, I want to know your thoughts on the end. Like, and when I say this, like, I'm just going to maybe give you a little bit more to um just to jog your brain a little sure. bit. Um, like, did you you get enough from the exchanges between Fassbender to for the the reveal about the father at the end to like actually. To, to hit you and stuff. It, it it lands for sure because we do, especially when they're talking about their names, and it, it sort of brought it it, it. it it made more sense when when Fastbender mentions that his name is. I, I'll, I'll get to this in a second, but when Fastbender mentions that his name is Michael, and Liam goes, "Good, I, it's a strong name. I like it. You know, whatever." He kind of he compliments him on his name and, and how it sounds. Um, and then when we get the reveal that that's his like a you know father that abandoned him um, at the end of the movie. It does sort of help. It does sort of help land that a little bit more than it would have otherwise. If there wasn't any familiarity beyond them just hanging out, I don't think I would have been like, "Well, who cares?" So, right, it right. did land a little bit because of that. Definitely helped. Okay, I um, I got it. I totally got what was going on there. Okay, like mm-hmm. um, when he said, like you know, what were yours? That one line, it was enough. It definitely was enough. The issue that I take with it, um, it's I always go back to Transformers when we find out that Optimus Prime and Megatron are brothers, and he's like, "Don't do this, brother!" And it's yeah. like, "Oh my God, that's a big reveal!" And there are an abundance of these where you don't. There's a, a woman and an older guy talking, and then at the end of the scene, she calls him father and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Now. I will tell you, there's no other way to do this. Okay. There's like, even him just saying like, screw you, dad, that's awful. You know? So there's only so many lines of dialogue that could possibly be said here to make this work in a short film. Um, That is the one that is definitely the, like maybe one of four lines that could possibly be used here. But I just like, I just wish that it didn't take me immediately back to like a, a, a term in writing a, for revealing yeah. that I have yet to coin, but that's just, that's kind of how it reminded me of like this whole thing was this buildup for this one line that's supposed to like, you know, Hey, like all this, Oh God, it's your dad. Yeah. You know, oh, Megatron and Optimus Prime are brothers. So that, that's where I, that's like what it did for me did not hurt the film in any way, shape or form. No, no. It's just, I myself have got a certain like predilection with those kinds of reveals. Yeah. I, I got you. And can I tell okay. you where I thought this was going? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So when they introduced themselves as Michael and Liam to each other, 
I was 100% thought the twist was going to be that Michael Fassbender and Liam Cunningham are also moonlighting as, as uh, bank robbers. <laughs> so, like, I was waiting for that twist at the end. That, like, okay. maybe that's why Liam, you know, like, mm-hmm. w- like why did Liam Cunningham, you know, like, disappear from this show? Oh, it's because he's in right. jail for robbing banks. Um, right. Like, it's not that it, like, really, I don't want to say, like, it took me out of it, because it didn't really take me out of it, but, like, I just thought for, and maybe that was on purpose. Um, I just thought that there was going to be a very different twist coming at the end. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I did not expect the father twist. Did not expect that at all. If anything, I thought they were just going to get caught, you know. Right. And hey, oh my God, we're caught! And this was Michael Fassbender and Liam Cunningham doing a short film. Um, but that was not the that was not the case. I, I was I was thrown thrown off in um, in that that regard too. But at least I got it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah, and like I got to tell you, like with um. With this, it was just really cool to see. Um, like, I, I'm a big, I'm on the Liam Cunningham hype train. Like, oh, ever sure. since Game of Thrones. Like, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'd never heard of him prior to that. No. But since Game of Thrones, I'm all about it, and um, I really wanted to talk about a short film with like a, with a little bit of star power for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're gonna round out my um, short film selection by the longest one, which is called Day One Thousand, which came out in 2010. Or sorry, yeah, 2010, directed by Alex Caleros. It's 30 minutes and one second long. Okay, I'll explain why I chose this movie. Um, I saw this one a long time ago. This was, like I said, I just a random, like, hey, let's all get loaded. Let's just check out this short film kind of thing. Completely random. And this is a pandemic-driven uh, short film. And since we are living and still living in the pandemic, um, I kind of wanted to see how this movie might hold up over time. And like, I remember mm-hmm. kind of sort of being entertained when I originally saw this and I, I was nowhere near familiar with um, pandemic life as I am now. So I kind of wanted to see if this, um, if this movie holds up. Um, so I'm going to ask you like, um, just really simply, did you enjoy this particular short film? I, I, I really did. Um, I think, I think overall, this is the one that needs the most work. Okay. Um, especially in terms of the long ones, I should say. Um, this one's the one that needs the most work, but I really enjoyed this because they do this thing where the the pandemic isn't the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see a single person lying dead by the side of the road with like boils all over him or something. Um, right. Where you know what I mean? Like it's it's something that has happened in the background, um, mm-hmm. but we're not going to pay too much attention to it because it's really not the point. It's not the point of the film. Like, the pandemic is something that happened. This plague that, you know... We don't even really, like, mention what the disease does, other than it's killed a lot of people. Um, right. So, it, it is a character-focused... It's a character-focused movie about building trust, and that's at the forefront versus, you know, what's actually going on in the world. hmm I got you, dude. Like, I really like that you put it as a movie about trust. There is definitely a pandemic thing in the background. This is more of, like, a, a character study. For me... I liked it better the first time around. Um, this is actually like, it has nothing really to do like my shift in opinion is nothing really to do with the movie. It's just, I think the fucking pandemic and stuff, man. Yeah. Like yeah. I, it's um, like, we're going to, ha- we're going to get into this question here in a little bit, but like, I'm, um, I'm just kind of over like some of the, like some of this pandemic type stuff. And I, after living through this and continuing to live through this whole thing, 
it's just like I don't know. Like I, I guess I just don't know if I want to like see this kind of stuff mm-hmm. or even have this kind of stuff in entertainment anymore. Um, so I will tell you that there's a lot of this stuff for me that there, there's some really enjoyable elements into it. I do like the isolation element. And since this movie was made in um, like 10 plus years ago, um, I, I kind of appreciated this whole like guy, like the first like 30 seconds, this guy like getting ready to like, you know, basically kill himself and stuff. Because nowadays, I kind of think that that intro is a it's just slightly played out. And now a lot of it is also determined on like what happens after this guy lives and doesn't kill himself. But um, back in the early 2000s and everything, I think that this introduction worked a little bit more because I've seen it a few times since. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just kind of wearing itself out on me, not taking away from any of the properties that follow the guy unsuccessfully killing themselves, but it's just uh, an intro that I'm starting to like t- take away from. It's not as impactful as it, uh, it, as it once it, was. It, it, it isn't, it isn't. And it's because we've gone from like someone almost killing themselves to the point where like someone tries like, in a movie now, that guy would have like tried hanging himself, mm-hmm. and we would have seen him jump off of like the side of the building with a rope around his neck or sheets or something, and the attempt would have been unsuccessful. Like right. that's that's how that sort of scene has like emer- has evolved over time yeah. to the point where like it's not that like he stopped for some reason; it's that like he was unsuccessful. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's like the the um, wood breaks that is holding the sheets or the rope up or something right. like that. You know, it's it's not this guy. Hey, all of a sudden I want to live. It's like I would be dead if it, this fucking tree was right. a little bit stronger. You know, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit over that. So I did appreciate the um, the character study element, the idea of gripping with isolation. You know, this idea of the the, the trust building between the two of them, like all that stuff, still hits. But just the idea of the pandemic, I'm um, I'm I'm just kind of over mm-hmm. that and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. going to say I'm trying to not get too far into what I really want to say, which I will say in a couple of minutes. So okay. I'm going to going into the next question. Um, if there was one thing you were going to change about it, what would the change be? So this is an easy one, I think. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm just a little bit surprised that I didn't already do this. Um, and that's everything and everyone needs to look a lot shittier. Um, we're, if we're in a, into a thousand days of, of a, of a global pandemic that is literally uh, presumably killing millions of people, um, mm-hmm. the people that have been isolating themselves completely, everything there, everything would look shittier. The house is way too nice. So like, do you know what, do you know what a human being's house would look like two years of absolute minimal maintenance? It, it would look really shitty on the outside and the inside. Oh um, yeah. It'd be awful. Clothes are too nice. Their skin is way too clear. When he shaves, um, when he shaves off his beard, which is it feels like it should be just like much bushier and grosser. Um, mm-hmm. But when he shaves off his beard, his skin is like baby saw. Like he looks like a fucking baby's ass. Yes, it's Morrissey. Like, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what that is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like, I, like it's one of those things. I'm like, you all should look fucking, especially the, especially the girl who has been on the road for who knows how long. Um, it seems like at least. You know, like mm-hmm. we're talking at least like a year or so. She needs to look like shit too. That like, right? Everyone just looks a little bit too clean in this for me. Yeah, dude, agree with you on that. Um, there is like, these people are like way too fucking clean for being in the woods a thousand day one thousand. You know, almost four years into the whole thing and stuff. And I got to tell you, man, like if. You're going to like call the movie day 1000. I have been here for 1000 days. 
the atmosphere should reflect that in some way, shape, yeah. or form. And like even so much as the cans of food looking like just pristine cans that they took out of the grocery store two weeks before they yeah, went to go film yeah. this thing. You know, everything with the um, appearance could be cranked up to like eleven or twelve on the grunginess factor. That's for fucking sure. It, it, it had had they done that, it would have made. Um, what, what is David the character's name? The male? Yes. Yes, David. Yeah. It would have made David seem much more desperate if, yeah. if he would look like a dirty, you know, essentially like a dirty, like hobo squatting in a house, eating cans mm-hmm. out of eating, eating shitty food out of old cans would have made his situation and made the character seem much more desperate. Exactly. Exactly. And what, what I would have done to even add some of the desperation and also my change for the, um, this particular part, I would have weirded this thing way more out, dude. Like this yes. guy. And, and like, I'll tell you like with the, so the suicide thing, which in 2010, that would have impactful, you know, that yeah. makes an impact 2021. We're talking not so much here. Like I would have cranked up the weirdness on this to the full extent. I mean, I would have had him like talking to weird shit. Like he's formulated friendships with different things around the house, like a yeah. lamp or whatever it is. Yeah. I would yeah. have, um, even like not like even some kind of like weird kind of sexual type thing. Like maybe it's just like a, a jerk off room, some kind of weird kind of sexual deviant yeah, thing, sure. because that is 100% going to happen. If you're stuck in a room for by or stuck in a house by yourself for four years, I also would have like, Maybe even like that story with the parents. I wouldn't have just had it. They left them there. It would have been a weird or completely weird thing. Like they went nuts. Something crazy happened. Somebody shot themselves. They just maybe tapers in the house. He killed right. themselves. I, I just real quick, Chama. I would have had him kill them. Oh yeah. Oh God. That's yeah, what I would Jer- have done. A, to- a total Jeremy fucking thing. Yep. Yeah. That would have been way better. That would have totally. Um, made his character infinitely creepier and it would have been a may a way better selling point for her to want to leave so quickly and stuff. And I mean, I, I gotta say like, if they're going to pick a, like, um, an infantile creepy looking guy, like that is, that is where you oh, want yeah. to go. Like, Oh, like yes, Morrissey he, he, in the early eighties. That's, yeah, that's very definitely creepy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I, um, and with that kind of infantile creepiness, he does look like a guy, like a, a parent killer all, mm-hmm. all the way. Like I could see that guy murdering his parents. So I, I would have cranked up the weirdness, weirdness on this. Like time wise, I actually think a half an hour for this. It actually kind of flew by pretty quick. It was like yeah. a, sort of like an easier watch. Um, but we just needed we needed the weirdness. We needed the, the appearance, the, everything to look more desperate. Like they, they could have really sold um did a better job of selling us on, I, on that part. You, you are like it's weird because like I, I think it, it's this one this for that for me. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to answer any questions ahead. But like for, for me, in terms of like something that I feel like I could get my hands on and do a lot with it's limbo as, as we when we talked about last time. And it's this one. I feel like there's, even though these are sort of, even though this one by now, by twenty by 2021, we've seen the disease movies, the plague movies, the pandemic movies, and, and like the isolation movies kind of play out. But like here there was like so much room. Like they introduced so many things that you could go very interesting directions with. Like mm-hmm. his journal itself right. could have been something that you really, and we get a little bit of it. Like you can clearly see by, what is it, like day 600? He like, clearly starts to crack like that's yeah that's where the cracks begin so like if this were something longer there'd be more of this girl investigating the journal and seeing literally seeing the timeline of him breaking apart um right that room underneath that room sort of has like because it's padlocked and everything it has sort of a inherent like oh shit what's in there 
and like right. mm-hmm. that should have been that should have been someplace where something weird was too. Oh, without a doubt. Like I, I thought the room was going to have something, but it's just food, you know. So like, yeah. I, I, they could have definitely maximized the potential of a what's behind the door, you know. That that you almost like when it comes to the what's behind the door thing, you want to like go all out as humanly possible, especially in the in the short film medium and everything. Right, right. D- real quickly then on that, what did you? What were you thinking was going to be behind there? Because I really thought something interesting was going to be behind there besides food. Like bodies, like there's just like maybe like even the parents' bodies, you know, like he said they left them. Maybe he did actually kill them. Or if it's just um, people who have trespassed on the property, like I didn't expect it to be cans of cream corn and a couple gallons of water, you know. So (laughs) so, like, yeah, it's like they I don't know, man. It's like a um, there's all this kind of with him, with the David character being so weird there's all this like mystery that is that's out there and it's like floating above the writers and stuff. And they're grabbing the most, they're grabbing the stuff they shouldn't grab. You know, it's like, Hey, by the way, like, you know, it just being food, it could be better. You know, it's like they have bodies and food and they're like, Oh, I'm going to put bodies back on the shelf. It's yeah, it, it, it almost like they wanted to make him seem sympathetic. Cause he like really was trying his best to like, l- listen, if you were isolated for, by the way, like a thousand, I think the, they said the pandemic started four years ago, but he's been there for a thousand days, which is like under three years. Right. If you if you really yeah. time it out. So, but regardless, yeah. if you were alone for almost three years, you would be going fucking cuckoo. Like there's just like, you'd be going insane. So like, I think they made an attempt to sort of make him seem sympathetic, like that this crazy person was trying to reach out. But, like, the way that the movie broke down, especially when he hits this girl in the fucking head um, mm-hmm. with a shovel, it, it's, it's it, to me, it sort of saps him of the empathy. And then you need yeah. to make him really crazy, really dangerous then. Yeah, like, I'll tell you, the hitting over the head, like, I got So that kind of took me by surprise while I'm like, I'm like, I didn't expect this docile dude to go that far. And it, but in the end, it's almost like entirely predictable because that's really the only place you could go with this whole story and stuff. So if they had done some more creepiness kind of shit or like some kind of hinting on violence towards other people, it could have made that shovel knock a little bit more. Impactful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. OK, so I really I. You, we ever since we talked about it, I've been big into this and the idea of the societal fears being reflected on screen and all that. And I, I know I, we probably talked about this before, but I probably my opinion has changed since then. So I want to ask you about this. Like um, this came out a little bit over a decade ago, and so we, you know, had gone through our entire like you know whatever societal fears from the last ten years. In the 2020 to 2030 decade, is the 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 actual like fear from this pandemic, like the stuff, you know, society, all the stuff that we've been afraid of the last like year and some change, is this going to be reflected on um, this on the big screen in the next like eight to ten years? I I actually think that it won't, and I got a, I got a lot of reasons why it won't. Um, it's don't worry, it's not too long or anything, but I got a lot of reasons. Oh, lay them on me because I I agree with you a hundred percent. So lay them all the fuck on me. Dude. So Go I think it. I think just to start off with short films. For sure, we're going to see a lot of short films in the next five to ten years that deal with pandemics. And it's because it's just mm-hmm. such an easy way 
like it's something that happened that we can all call back to. You know, in 2028, we'll be able to talk about 2020. And everyone will know what the fuck we're talking about in 2020. So, like, it'll be an easy callback for short films and a very easy way to explain explain away why there's only a cast with, like, three people um, mm-hmm. in a short film. Because everyone else is dead. Um, right. So, for short films, for sure. Um, but in feature-length films and even on TV, I really don't think so. Um, and here's, like, and this isn't, I'm just going to get to, like, a sign as to why this is, like, I don't think this is going to last. Um, we are winding down all of The Walking Dead's. All of them are ending in the next couple of years. And yeah. if the if the virus... Is, and I know that's like a zombie thing, but it's caused by a virus. It's a pandemic if you really want to get into the, to what the, you know, the, the cause of The Walking Dead is. It's a viral pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. We're winding all of those down. Um, and there's no real... It doesn't seem like there's any real plan to continue them after like the, I don't know, two or three um, Walking Dead TV movies that they're going to have. Um, those are, that's it. We're going to, we're going to end with it. And so like, that's to me is a sign that like the appetite for it is just not there anymore. And Mm -hmm. combined with the fact that we had to live it real life for an entire year. Um, maybe like, you know, maybe that's like hastening this idea that we don't want to do this. Um, but also we had the most ridiculous presidency in the history of the United States. And that Mm -hmm. is going to dominate so much of horror um, horror, science fiction, and obviously drama and politics, obviously, um, mm-hmm. that's going to dominate. And I think, but I do think that the, um, I do think that when you get to horror movies, you're going to have, um, the, you're going to have like the effects of the pandemic pop up in a lot of them. So you're going to have horror movies that deal with isolation and control, I think are really what you're looking at versus the straightforward, um, you know, disease things, but it, it's going to be about people who are like left alone or people that are trying to control other people. Oh yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for that because um, I'm in, I'm in, I'm very much in the same boat as you are. I, I don't think that there's very much where I'm going to, where I'm going to differ okay. here. Um, okay. The walking dead thing is a point that I had not even considered. And like, you're right at the core of the walking dead, there is there is the virus and the walking dead is still popular all these spinoffs all this stuff it's still insanely popular you know so um the fact that it's been on for so long its popularity the size of the audience it people might just be a little bit tired of that Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying also coupled with the fact that we've just kind of lived through it as well you know so um where i am at with the student films okay I, you're right. They're always going to be in student short films and stuff like that, you know, shorter, shorter films. Yeah. It is a very, very, very easy storytelling device. It's a mm-hmm. very, very easy way to establish stuff in just like a couple of sentences. I am personally hoping, though, that that there aren't like a serious influx of this. And I just like I don't know if it's I could be like I hope I'm not alone in this, but like. And now I'm still I'm telling you, I'm still complying with all the CDC guidelines. I'm still happily wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm not complaining about any of this stuff. But personally, I'm just a little bit over the pandemic, you, you know, and I and like, I'm, just like <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm kind of over this whole thing. I'm not lashing out against society or non mask wearers. I'm just kind of keeping my head down and, until we get out of this. Follow the rules, head down until it, everything is officially, quote unquote, safe. And. I just like since we've been through this, um, we have seen a lot of uh, non-pandemic stuff in the last like 16 months. And 
I just don't really want to go there. Like there's, you know, like there's no real new or fresh direction mm-hmm. that like what, what new virus are they going to come up with? You know, like, I, I mean, it's either it kills you or it turns you into something. There you go. I figured out a lot of virus movies going forward. And now that um, audiences and human beings and too have lived through this, have this experience and stuff. I, I almost think that some of the, some of the threat may not seem like um, it, it may. Okay. The threat either may seem just like, okay, yeah, fuck it. Like I seen it. I know what happens. The threat and may end up having the reverse effect of being something serious, like something like, Oh my God, I'm really, really terrified, but I don't see that happening for me. So I'm just kind of over it. I just kind of want, I think we need to take a pause on mm-hmm. the, uh, the virus and pandemic stuff. And I think that what it's going to be, and this is where I really want to make this point is like, I think in the world of short films, um, pandemic-y stuff is going to be kind of a litmus test for the the type of filmmaker that you're dealing with. And I think that if a filmmaker is making a pandemic route and thus makes a pandemic short film, that he then rolls into some kind of career in the film industry, that's probably the best pandemic short film that's right. ever possibly been made. I, I, because, yeah, you're... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so, so like, like what, what, just to like kind of round this out, is like, is like what I'm seeing here is a lot of like people here in Hollywood, like we just got this pandemic, bro. I can't wait. We've got to do something for filming. And there's everybody's going to want to see this. We've all been through it. Like, but no one's going to want to see it because we've all fucking been through it and everything. And like, I read like with just like reading for different roles, dude, I get little bits of scripts. I've seen read hundreds of these goddamn things. And like, I just see a lot of people like in a room thinking that it is going to be a really, really good idea. Uh-huh. And then when they're showing this in, you know, in um, in a short film uh, film festival and it's in between a really cool sci fi thing and a really awesome comedy sketch, these filmmakers are going to be like, OK, so why didn't anybody like like our stuff? You know, mm-hmm. and like I and I, I just think that like um, now I, you could make a movie about anything, but I just yeah, obviously like we talked about last time. Some topics are a little taboo for Hollywood and it's just a little taboo in general. But. I don't necessarily want to use the phrase taboo. I just think that this is almost going to be like a rookie mistake. You know, like if you're going to focus on something, focus on something else. Yeah, dude. Yes. Very, very well said. And I love you. You you really got me with, with the litmus test because like the pen, the pandemic stuff, the disease stuff, dude, that has been in short films and indie films for 60 years. I mean, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's just a really easy way to, like we said, it's an easy way to explain away why you don't have a big cast, a big budget, or like shooting locations. You could just say that everyone's fucking dead. So like you're isolating right. away from it. Um, but like you're right. Like you're right. Like if if someone makes in 2023, let's say, if there is a if there's like an indie pandemic film, and that director, you know, he, she, or they. Um, ends up getting like the reins of like, hey, we're we're handing you the uh, the Batman reboot. Then clearly, that pandemic film was like the greatest indie film of all time because right. <laughs> no one's gonna want to see, no one's gonna want to go back and relive what the pandemic was about. And so, like, if someone took that subject matter and then presented it in a way that was not only thought provoking but like refreshing, <clears throat> it's it, like then clearly this person has has talent just coursing through their body and we have to find out what else is in there. Yeah, exactly, man. And I, I go, I go back to 
in thinking about this and crafting this question, I always go back to the surge of 9-11 movies that mm-hmm. came out like right after, like somewhat soon thereafter 9-11 came out. And there were, you know, there were some hits, there were some misses in there and stuff like that. I mean, I, I kind of thought even Oliver Stone doing a movie called World Trade Center, I still thought that was a little bit too soon and stuff. Yeah. But the one, the, the one of the best like 9-11 part of a movie that's came out is Adam Sandler and Reno for me. I think that like out of all yeah. of them, that's, that's how you do a nine 11 movie is like where it affects somebody. But in all reality, it's not about like actually going down to the ground zero right. and seeing what happened right. there, you know? And like, I feel that um, because there's a, <clears throat> such a demand for content, like there's a demand for content in ways we have never seen before there's going to be a lot of people that are rushing to make these projects. Some of them are going to get financed. Some of them are going to get made. Some of them may even make it to networks that we're able to watch. But I just have a feeling that these are going to fall short because people are people are going into this thinking that they're doing a certain job, but in all reality, they're not doing that job. They're doing mm-hmm. a, a way worse job or mm-hmm. like something that's not going to hit as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Well, that's good. That was the thing I really wanted to get into into with this whole, like um, with the the choice of that pandemic stuff, like I'm telling you, the future is going to be very interesting. And the idea that you put out about the um, idiot presidency and all that stuff, that could be a societal fear that we're going to see a good amount of. I'm I'm telling you, man, the the political people really underestimate um, how how deeply into our psyches uh, politics and policy actually matters. I mean, there's, we can, it's probably, it's probably not for us necessarily to explore, but like the, like the resurgence in African-American horror movies and TV shows, um, this is all a response to things that have happened recently. This isn't Mm -hmm. like, it's not like just suddenly we're like, Hey, what do black filmmakers think? (laughs) It's like, no, like we, like this is, this has come through cycles where there's a big surge in, in, um, in minority culture. Um, horror movies and sci-fi movies for that matter as a response to politics and like we are going to have some really fascinating horror movies in the next like five to ten years because of because of the trump presidency oh yeah with all the demonizing that he has done of um minorities and minority culture and stuff all over the world no less I mean, dude, we could be looking at we could be looking at like French Polynesian horror. That's like revolutionary, you know. So I'm pretty sure Trump. <laughs> right. thr- I, I'm pretty sure he thrashed the French Polynesians at some point. Right. Oh, for sure. It's a shithole country. Um, but no, like legitimately, like if if you're looking for like a big tentpole sort of thing that's going to be like like a, a, like a very on the nose sort of um, criticism of the Trump presidency, I would not be shocked if by like 2022. 2023 we get a dead zone reboot oh they are they're doing it already i think are they really no it's, no, it's salem's lot i think is up for a reboot oh, one lot, of the okay. one of those two the dead zone or salem's lot is up for a reboot through television i believe it's okay. going to be a show i mean dead zone was also a show although it was very different from the movie and the book um, right but regardless like the character greg stilson is trump basically mm-hmm. so Okay. Yeah, I'm, that's one I'm not super familiar with. Um, I know really that's good. Anthony Michael Hall is in one of the that's properties, the TV right? Show. That's the TV the show. TV Anthony show. Michael Hall and is it – oh, gosh. Who plays Greg Stilson in that? I think it's – is it Sean Patrick Flannery maybe? Um, oh. Gosh, I can't remember. But the TV oh, – the, the movie is 
the movie is um, Christopher Walken Chris- and um, uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Okay. Okay. And Martin Sheen, I'm assuming, is the uh, the presidential yep. fucked up character. Yep. Okay. Craig Stilson, yep. Yeah. God, he can't tell you. Martin Sheen, that's just a role that he was meant to play as the leader president. of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe he should play one in real life. I know. <laughs> seriously. All right, man. So I'm going to get into um, just a couple wrap up questions on the on the four shorts. And um, these are very similar to some of the um, questions that you had asked in the, in the previous sure. episode. And um, which of the four would you expand into a full production? Um, I, I would legitimately, I think Pitch Black Heist has the most room for like, if, if I were, if I were a producer, I think that's the one that would go like, okay, I can make a, I can make a two hour movie out of this for sure. Yeah. Like there's definitely some tweaks in it, but like it would follow, you know, Hollywood's not particularly original. So I would just be like, listen, how about Ocean's 11? But of course the heist is going to be completely in the dark. And I would, but however, I would do, here's something I would do if I was the director of this instead of like a, a blackout scenario or like doing it through like night vision, which is what probably Hollywood, any studio would probably ask. Mm-hmm. I would have them, I would have it fully lit. This, and this feels like fucking indie movie bullshit trickery, but I think it'd be kind of fun. I have it fully lit, but all the actors actually doing this with blindfolds on. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Just as yeah, an arty is... choice, just to show like that they can actually do it. Oh yeah, without a doubt, man. If you're gonna go with a presentation like that, go with something you go with something unique and everything. Yeah. That's for sure. And yeah, that is a really interesting take. That is, I know that like, um, I think like Lars von Trier has got like a a movie that's presented in a very unusual way, as most of us are. But there's like okay. some early yeah. stuff of his. Is, uh... oh, they're all presented in an unusual way, <laughs> right? And there's like a, an earlier movie. Um, that uh it's god it, it, it's supposed to like take place like they use settings in this really crazy way like you're in one setting i think the whole time but it's supposed to be different settings depending oh, on where it's, somebody's it's standing almost, or something yeah it's almost like a stage play where like yeah. everything's blocked off and so like i mean literally like physically blocked off and that's supposed to be like a city Right, right, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. So something like that for Pitch Black Heist, I think, would be a nice little twist on the whole thing. And like you're right, that 15 minutes, like you're basically giving them um, a blueprint, and it's just like, okay, so you have these events now, fill in all the stuff between. Like, hey, maybe yeah. they get maybe they get loaded longer or something like right, that. Right, exactly. Or, uh, there's a little bit more of an intro. They practice stuff. They fail. They still haven't done it after all the times they practiced. You know, so some shit like that. So right, exactly. Pitch Black Heist definitely, and a, you can uh, solid... and you can keep. And you can keep the twist too. It, it, it could yeah. still be like some machination of Michael Fassbender's doing. Um, like it could still be that sort of thing, but you can keep the twist too, even. Oh yeah, the twist. That's a twist you don't have to make any changes to yep. whatsoever. That's a, that's exactly right for sure. How about and you? like I went, I went with. Um, I actually think I think Make Your Maker. There's there's something there. Now, yes. I'm not saying that the whole cloning process and eating should be an hour and a half long, but that little snip, there's definitely that is that is enough of a seed to build a real foundation of a feature presentation on. I Chema, I 100% agree. Even though I didn't really like it, like it. Right. Um, I I think that you can take that concept of people eating their own clones, and like that feels like maybe not like a full length feature. That feels like a Twilight Zone episode, though. Oh, oh, dude! I can definitely see that as a yeah. Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, you better. They re- they're rebooting that at some point in time. Oh, they already. They it's, have... it, uh, Jordan Peele does it. That that's right. That's yeah. right. What what channel is that on? It's Paramount Plus, baby. 
Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I haven't seen it. I've else. I've okay. seen. I I started it in the first season. It's fine. Like it, it's there's some good <laughs> stuff there, but it, it's not like it's not. I considering what Jordan Peele has done and is capable of. I and hmm. I want more, but it's because it's CBS. That's okay. You know, if you were to, if you were to rank just really quick the three shows for like Lovecraft Country, um, this Twilight Zone, and Hunters, what do you go one, two, and three? I still haven't seen Hunters, so I can't. Okay, I can't qualify it, but like. Lovecraft Country has some of the, mo- at least bet- between what I've seen from Twilight Zone and Lovecraft Country, um, Lovecraft Country has like some of the more interesting ideas and execution of those ideas. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, I'm like, Lovecraft Country I is the one that I'm like, um, that I think is a little bit more of what Jordan Peele's going for. Yeah. Hunters seems like it's just something he took his, put his name on. And like, sure. I punted on like there's hunters is you. It's like the greatest thing in the world. Like there's literally nothing else better than it. And then it's like the worst thing in the world. Like too, too fast, way too fast. Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It, but, but um, it's his career is just one that I'm just incredibly infatuated with. I, it's just, it's mm-hmm. something that I, I, like follow uh quite uh, quite regularly except for the fact that the twilight zone thing so okay um out of the let's do the inverse of that and conversely which film do you uh would suffer from being longer bigger scope etc well i don't know what you would do with fresh guacamole <laughs> so, yeah, yeah um, right I, I mean i'll start, i'll say that like i don't know what you would do with fresh guacamole however i i will say this i feel like while i feel like there's a lot there with day 1000 I still would keep that as a short movie, as a short film, yeah. and just change things in, inside that short film. Yeah, without a doubt. Like that—that's that was my that I put down here okay. too. Is like there's just that thing works. You just you have to fix what's inside of it, not add more onto it. Like yeah, exactly. day one thousand perfectly works where it is, um, but they just need to do more to the actual like what we actually see. Absolutely, stuff, I, so. I I have a feeling if it's Alex Caleros, right, the director of that one. He, Yes. Yes. I, I have a feeling if he were to make that now, that that would it would be it would definitely the things that we're talking about at least some of the things we're talking about would be included to ratchet oh, up yeah. a little bit. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, you bet. That is like we gave it like the nice modern facelift. For exactly. Him, sure. Definitely, dude. Cool. So let's get into the honorable mentions. And I know you saved yours from um, from last week and everything like that. So uh, why don't you kick it off with one of your honorable? Okay, mentions? I'll I'll start with the one that um, I described it as. When we talked about how like um, how short films like really a lot of them just can't translate to longer films, or mm-hmm. even like even like a even like a TV show format, they just can't. Um, this one is called The Workplace, and I'll, I'll give you the the quick description. It takes place in like an indetermined indetermined future or undetermined future. I don't know how it exactly. Can't remember the correct saying of that, but like a hypothetical future where so many things are automated that jobs don't exist. So there's like a lucky few people either through wealth or just through selection get to go, get to go spend their days fake working. Interesting. And wow. It's, it's really like, and you get like the explanation. It's, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's black comedy, dude. It's very dark black comedy, but like Mm -hmm. you get, um, you get like the, like you get like sort of the explanation of things right in the middle where like a very, um, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs esque figure introduces his new product to the world. Presumably, he's also the person who brought like the complete automation to planet Earth. 
Um, so his like new his new thing was creating fake businesses for people to go fake work at. I gotta tell you, that's pretty goddamn good. It's good. Like, that is a really excellent premise right there for sure. And it, and, and, like, I, and watching yeah, them work Chema is hyster- and watching them work Chema is hysterical. Nice. It's it's Very it's nice. sort of you and I both work in like a corporate structure. So imagine mm-hmm. a script that is almost entirely corporate buzzwords. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Like, uh, like just stuff like memo and like um. Oh, like oh, there's okay. there's like a meeting and they're just like, we're talking team synergy. Oh, we're gonna yeah. reach okay. these. Hu- yeah. We're gonna reach these peaks together. No one left, but like it's just like that kind of like dialogue over and over again. Right. It's fucking hysterical. Yeah, that does sound pretty awesome, actually. And it's amazing because you just described, like, every other meeting I've ever yep, been to pretty, in my entire life. <laughs> if you that's don't right. hear the word synergy, you're not in a corporate meeting. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Very, very nice. The workplace. How long does that one uh, Does that one run? That one, I believe, is – I probably should have con- included the time. Hold on. I'm going to – I think I want to say, like, 12 minutes. Okay. Twelve. It's, it's, it's under – no, 10 minutes. Under 10 minutes, yeah. Okay, very nice. Yeah. That's one I'm gonna. That sounds really interesting. I'm gonna have to check that one out for sure. Nice. How about you? Throw, throw one of yours out. Okay, my first one. Love these two guys. Ever since we did Uncut Gems, I watched Goldman versus Silverman. Oh, Safety 2020... Brothers. Yeah, it's a short Safety Brothers Safety Brothers movie with Adam Sandler. Believe it or not. Oh no shit. And um, yeah, it's so it's under seven minutes, like a six thirty to seven minutes somewhere in there, and um, this is. Easily, like, this is the Safdie brothers, like, being fucking artists here. Like, okay. this was, I, it's, okay, like, it's basically, I, I, like, the whole thing is just Adam Sandler is, like, a street performer in New York. He has a conflict with a, another street performer who is Silverman. He is a gold man, like, dressed up in gold. <laughs> and they had this little conflict, and the movie kind of ends. And, like, once again, the Safi brothers just really creating tension and like creating that uneasy feeling in you. Cause like the entire time you like, you're just kind of waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's a really good execution of some of the stuff that they put into uncut gems. And the thing once again about this is like, they're just, it's this shot on a street corner in New York. There's maybe like four different locations that are all based in New York. And when you, when you watch good time and then you watch uncut gems and you see this and it's like, there's something about this that just screams like this is like an art short film. Mm-hmm. This the way the Safty brothers would do it. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. I will tell you that there's not much of a big closing um, at the end. There's not really much of a punch packer at the end. But um, I'll tell you, I it, it, this is just if the Safty brothers Safty brothers are doing short films, this is what you would expect. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to see that one for sure. Um, and you know what? It's funny when I, when I just saw it on your, on your list there, I was just like, is this a lawyer? Short? <laughs> right. don't, don't, don't mean yeah, to be, don't mean to be yeah. stereotypical or prejudiced, but is this a lawyer short? Well, Adam Sandler is in, and, and so are the Safdie brothers. There's definitely like, um, if you want to talk about a Jewish influence on the movie, it's definitely <laughs> right, there. Right, right. No, but no, for sure. I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. Um, I'll, I'll go here. I'll throw out my next one here for you. That is, it took lessons it definitely took some lessons from Lights Out and then adapted it to be even more modern. Uh, it's called Whisper. And okay. uh, it's basically, I mean, think of the, the same scenario with Lights Out, but it's uh, someone's, um, essentially someone's Amazon Alexa is hearing, is hearing whispers. 
and it's out loud repeating what it's saying. And it's like this threatening voice saying that like, I'm in the closet, I'm going to strangle you, I'm getting closer. And then eventually it does all that. Oh, wow. Okay. Really great concept again. And um, that is something that no joke, I think a lot of people are really freaked out about is like what these home units are saying yep. and stuff. And no joke, dude, I don't know if your company has got a lockdown policies like mine does, but we actually received emails that recommended the things that we talk about while our home units are on during the course of our pandemic and stuff. So (laughs) yeah, they're like, believe me, like my, my law firm and everything like that, they are really, really adamant about security. And this was something that, um, like it was like one of these deals where, uh, we were like, we were sitting around like just working one day and I get this email and I'm thinking like, wow, I cannot believe that they are actually addressing this. And number one, because it's just, it's something that you never even think about. You come home, you talk about work and stuff. And then they're basically telling you like, yeah, hey, like when you talk about work, just do it in a really selective way if you're going to be doing it at home. <laughs> That's very, very interesting. Yeah, it was a more than one email too. We had more than one on that. I, I'm not surprised because of the amount. It's not just your, it's not just like your Alexa or Google Home or whatever else. Your fucking phone and iPad are listening to you too. Yeah, exactly. So like they're, you know, being that it's like a law firm, they're worried about like certain maybe like names being set sure. out or something like that and names and other words kind of being in the thing that somebody might hear and make something out of, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's like one of those deals where like, yeah, I get it. It's a little extreme, but knowing me, I'll be the guy that fucking does something like that. I mentioned somebody's <laughs> name and all of a sudden it's a thing, you know? So right. especially because there's work that I do when I complain about it, the only way I can complain about it is by saying somebody's name, right. you know? So it's like, it's, um, it, but that's, that's a whole other thing. So, okay. So I'm going to go with another one. Um, this was a classic actually. This is a fucking classic. And when I say classic, I literally mean over a hundred years old. It's called a trip to the moon from 1902 Yep. And this is um, okay. I specifically looked this up online. How to pronounce this is Georges Milliers, yeah, a yeah. French French director. Um, and this is like no joke. Like when you're in like film schools and all the stuff, like this is like one of those movies that you um, you either study extensively or it is definitely studied in some way, shape, or form, because this is like one of those like turn of the century, like early examples of. Uh, motion pictures being made. Yep. And the other reason that um, this is a big topic of conversation is because the image of the moon and the face in the moon that you see from the Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight video and that we've just seen over and over again throughout our lives yep. and then like the thing crashing into it comes from this particular short film. Correct, yeah. It's, it's the bullet in the eyeball based on right. what it looks yes. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. So um, I think it's like... That iconic imagery, the fact that it has sustained such longevity as it has, I think number one is just says speaks volumes mm-hmm. about how special something like this is. And even like for being old, like it, it's still like a pretty decent production and stuff like for that. Sure. It doesn't yeah. suffer from some of the other like uh, early turn of the century um, things that some other like live action and stuff movies do. No, for sure. And it's it's kind of funny. Like we didn't we didn't mention this, but it's a good time to mention it now. That like realistically speaking, the first films were short films. No yeah. one, no one made a three-hour movie like the first. That wasn't the first movie. It wasn't a three-hour movie. It was stuff like this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like that didn't come until like much, much later. And yeah. Stuff like that. Oh, How, yeah. Howard uh, Howard Hughes comes around. It's like, all right, yeah, let's make some let's make some long-ass fucking movies now. So. Exactly. I mean that that took until I mean even even like the first movies like in the twenties were not long. 
Like they were they were pretty quick short stories essentially. It's it's not until like the thirties that you get movies that are like two hours long plus. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's pretty crazy to think that, like, you know, at one point in time, people were going to the theater and they weren't just watching one thing. They were watching a whole bunch of stuff, news reels, all that. Yeah, and, like, uh, it's crazy to think that at one point in time, that's how things operated. The the guys even playing piano and stuff live in the theater and shit, that's never going to happen unless it's a special event. Right, right. Good choice there. Um, I'm going to go with – you and I talked about this briefly. I want to describe it more because I think – I think there's a really interesting idea here. It's called The Leap. And uh, this one's, I think it's almost 30 minutes long. Um, and it's a it's a sci-fi one. It takes place in, a, a, well, a future that you and I probably won't be alive for, but, like, not not too far beyond our deaths. Like, probably like the 2070s, mm-hmm. 2080s. And yeah. it, it, plays on, it, it plays on one particular theme that you'll find in The Expanse, where we find in the leap, we find a new planet. We just, I think we just call it new earth. And, um, after we find it, it, you know, we open it up for, um, for colonization. And the idea in the short is that there's like, sort of like this interplanetary, um, you know, immigration agency that, that is cracking down on illegal immigration to the planet. And the, the interesting, the, the thing that I find interesting about it isn't necessarily that like, there's some shooting and stuff, there's some action sequences, but like, there's a concept in there that I find really interesting. That I think we're already seeing it when we talk about like the uh, the migrants that have been coming from South America and Central America to the United mm-hmm. States. Um, the people that control the biggest portion of immigration to this new planet are gang are gangs and cartels. And there's like a really interesting sort of like one of the characters. Well, there's only like three characters that we meet. So, um, but. Uh, the one character is like this prostitute who's trying to, you know, save money essentially to get to where she, you know, to get to the new planet. And, but it's clear that like she's under the thumb of the cartel and she'll never be able to get out of doing what she's doing to get to this new planet. And Mm -hmm. I think that concept is really interesting and something that could, you could probably, I think you could spin that into either. I think you could spin that into a full length movie. Um, about the, the way, you know, a, a basically an agency fighting against the cartels for control of planetary immigration. Oh, yeah. That, that is something that, like, is waiting to be made right there. I mean, and I have watched this one. I, I like this one okay. a lot. I thought this was good. Yeah, this was one I – you had mentioned this a while ago. Um, and I think it was just like, okay, I just redid the episode and then I just kind of turned it on or whatever. And this was good. Like, yeah, it's good. And, yeah, and the entire – premise is very very simple to be able to be expanded into something bigger dude that is the concept of uh illegal immigration on a new planet um the illegal immigration thing is going to be with us for a while so that's going to be something in the news so it's going to be something that translates onto the big screen for sure yep yep absolutely all right and my uh third one this is another classic, but not because it's from over a hundred years ago. This is one that is six years ago. You got to go Kung Fury, man. Absolutely. This is, this is just like, <laughs> this is just something that has just got, it's filled with so much ridiculousness that you just can't help but like not enjoy it, you know? And um, I, I can't remember if they are expanding this into a full length or David F or David Sandberg, not, not David, David F. Sandberg. Sandberg. Yeah if he's going on to do other things. But um, I, when I first saw this, like it's almost like the, the first 30 seconds, you just seem to have, you, you know what this is going to be about or where this is like, what kind of movie this is going to be. And then just 
throughout it, the, the ridiculousness just keeps getting cranked up to yep. eleven. It's awesome. Yeah, it's do that. It's incredible. And last that last I heard, they were. I mean, who knows what in production means? Um, that could right. mean that could mean a variety of things. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, you know, that, it, it, like it may ten years from now, it might be in production for the next decade. But it like basically it hasn't been canceled, so that's good. Um, right. Kung Fury is so fucking good. I would, I personally would rather see this as a TV show, but mm-hmm. it doesn't fucking matter. Just give me more Kung Fury because it's it's this is an incredible piece of, this is an incredible piece of like, how, I don't know exactly how you describe it. Incredible piece of just fun filmmaking. This movie's fucking fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like I remember, like when hearing about this and stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, right, whatever." And you're watching it. It's like, "Oh no, that person just literally said that that it did happen." Yes, you bet. It's so fun. It's just a nice throwback to like stuff from our childhood and everything. Yep. It's corny, stupid lines, but it still works. I'm sold. They can make it into a movie, TV show, do whatever they want. I right. Love it. Can I give you? Can I give you a TV recommendation that you'll like because you like Kung Fury? What is that? Danger Five. Danger Five. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. I've not heard of that. That's... Do you have Do you have Amazon Prime? I'm assuming you do. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yes, you. Bet. It's on It's on Amazon Prime for free. Okay, very nice. Yeah, I need to I need to like actually start using Amazon Prime more because between the Expanse and the occasional like movie that I watch on there, like I need to get into more stuff on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. No, you'll 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 enjoy Danger Five, and you'll you'll know it's Australian comedy. You'll know exactly why I'm recommending it. So um, yeah, okay. there you go. Um, very nice like that i'll get to my last one here this was this one is a little this is a heartbreaker and it's it's under two minutes um i think it's like a minute and 45 seconds 46 seconds um this one's a heartbreaker called player two and it's about this like speaks to the video game nerd in me um and it's i guess it was taken from the comment section from like a reddit thread Mm -hmm. um and the the whole the whole thing is just this kid this guy well i guess he's a guy now Talking about um, how his when they were younger, his dad bought him the old Xbox, the big black Xbox that was like the size of a fucking. It was enormous. Um, you could you could basically use it like the foundation is a it's like a big fucking cinder block. You could you could line a house with it and it would be like more stable. Um, oh yeah. But um, and then you know his dad dies when he's young and he kind of leaves you know he's despondent, leaves the Xbox on the shelf for a long time and then. You know, one day when he's a little bit older, probably a teenager, picks it up again and, and plugs it in. And, hey, it works. Lo and behold, it works. Um, he starts playing. I can't remember the name of the racing game specifically. But um, starts playing a racing game. And it uses, I've this is in, especially in older racing games, you'll have a ghost car chase. Um, that, like, mm-hmm. is, like, sets, like, the high, you know, the, the low, or the high score, low time, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and that ghost car is his dad's time. And... So every time he plays the game, he just plays that game and lets his dad win every time to make sure that that ghost car, you know, his dad's ghost car stays in his life. It's fucking heartbreaking in under two minutes. Oh, man. I'm fighting off the cry ball in my it's, throat it's, just dude, hearing you talk about it. Legitimately oh my God. like a beautiful little, beautiful little movie for, you know, that's like nothing, no interesting shots, nothing crazy. It's a beautiful little movie. You could watch it like right now, and by the time I'm done speaking, it'll be over. But like, it literally, it literally is a tearjerker. And like that, those are the kind of things that like those kind of movies. When you in like the same way with Lights Out, the same way with Player Two, uh, some of the other short ones we talked about. When you get like that kind of like emotional imprint, like that's a good job making a movie, buddy. That's how you do it. 
Oh, yeah. That is something that I don't even think I could have thought on on the most depressing day of my entire life. That is really fucking good. I mean, that's that's good on a whole other goddamn level, man. Yeah, like that's I mean, and just and the fact that that is a true story and everything like that. And somebody's doing that. It really it just speaks a lot of like if you were to expand this into a movie or something about like what kind of lead character you could get knowing that there's somebody who does that. It's yeah, beautifully poetic in so many ways. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Jesus Christ. I got to get the freaking Kleenex. That was, just, that was, that was a, I did not expect to be moved before five o'clock today. I'm sorry. All, all movings take place after five, but that was pretty good. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to round it out too with my most obscure choice out of the entire selection, um, short films that, um, that I had. And this movie is called X, the baby cinema. And this is a 1992 short film. It's um, less than six. It's less than six minutes. I think you're in like the, the high fives. And um, it's directed by a guy named Robert C. Banks, who is a Cleveland native, actually. Oh, okay. And um, this guy is um, the only the reason I know about this is because uh, when I was in college, he came by to my screenwriting class to be a guest lecturer. And oh, stuff. nice. And. I guess, like, as far as, like, Cleveland, like, film figures go, this would kind of sort of be, like, this would, this is definitely, like, an all-local guy. Like, he's got national recognition and stuff, and uh, this X of the Baby Cinema ended up on a compilation of short films called the New York Underground Volume 1. Okay. So he's experienced some kind of national notoriety and he's okay. had other, um, other films screened at like Sundance and like, um, and like Khan and stuff like mm. that. You know, he's, he's made his, his rounds in the, the festival circuit, but it's like a guy that, um, it's never going to be on the popularity of the Russo brothers and stuff. Sure, I mean, of course even, not. yeah, even, even like what he does now is more like, um, film education stuff and like i'm sure he's still shooting but it's like it's not like anywhere near at the level of like a like like what you would think and even like the guy like um cleveland's new like uh everybody wants to jerk off to him director uh, tyler sheridan i think is his name is this dude who lives in chagrin falls like this guy is even like we'll we'll never even get to the level of tyler sheridan like this guy is like straight up indie as fuck um, he is like, I'm sure if he had the opportunity, he would do it, but it's just like right now in his wheelhouse is more of like mm-hmm. films as art, not necessarily like films as money and stuff like that. And this, right. Right. And this dude, Robert Banks is like insanely knowledgeable. And like the, the one thing that really like just sold me on this guy was he did this like five minute plus like uninterrupted monologue during this lecture about you know, Hollywood recycling the same idea and everything. Mm-hmm. And he, and he started with, I am legend and trace it all like basically all the way back, like the Omega man and yeah. beyond, you know, yeah. do this idea and stuff like that. And, um, I was just, I remember listening to it and I remember like, just, this was like new information to me at the time. And I was like, wow, this is, the dude's like really fucking smart. And he goes on and just like talk about a lot of other different things. And the dude's got a lot of stories to tell, very very cool guy um i never like shook his hand or whatever the extension of me the extent of me like uh, my contact with him is just basically listening to this um lecture that he did and this um x the baby cinema is kind of like one of those um this would be like one of those like cleveland film things that 
it's this is just like a really underground thing. This is a really niche kind of thing, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. But he's a. But yeah, it's it's cool. You know, giving the guy a local guy a little bit of props, and um, it's something that uh, it's something that would people in Cleveland particularly like. I kind of wish like people knew a little bit more about this guy, especially like the Cleveland like film crowd and stuff. You know, like the the people that are in on it. Like even just like it's like these guys that like you know, only like a certain people know about. And I think if you're local in the area, if you're doing film and stuff, this is a guy that uh, Cleveland wise, you should know about. Gotcha. I'm well, yeah, I'm now I'm actually really interested to check it out too. Um, Got to support the local guys who aren't, yeah. named, you know, Russo because they're fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. They'll, they'll be totally fine. And believe me, they will be single handedly propping up the Cleveland film, anything for a very long time. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, all right, Chema, so we're, we're about wrapped up here. I, I just real quickly, I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask you that I forgot to ask you last time. Um, was there anything that you noticed about the world of short films that maybe we didn't talk about in, in any, any real meaningful length here? World wise, like, are you talking like um, what we see on screen or like the actual production, like part uh, anything, of it? Anything, doesn't matter. Like the, um, Jesus Christ. Well, like other than like just some of the, uh, you know, balls of the wall, like creativity and stuff that we talked about. And like, um, just the fact that these things are, they're just like their own identifiable properties. Like these short films are their own thing. It's, um, amazing how like, I guess basically like how cool and different short films could be than some of the regular stuff in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like, it's like drinking, like drinking film concentrate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, film concentrate. God, yeah, it's like drinking film concentrate. Can I, 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 this was something that really surprised, well, I didn't say it surprised me, but like uh, this is, as, as we, I know we mentioned this a little bit in the previous episode, um, that like short films seems to be the realm of a lot of like sci-fi and horror seems to take place in short films. Not, not, not surprised. Like there's just some concepts and right. things that just lend themselves in those genres to, to short films. I was really however surprised considering considering the prevalence of things like sketch shows i was surprised at how few direct comedies there are oh really i mean standby is a comedy i think but like not it's a dramedy it's a dramedy short i, I like right. I, I i didn't really find that many pure comedies yeah it's like it almost seems like what we think of comedies like in shorts are almost like just tiktok videos and stuff like that or like little i, you, I don't know you're, you're you're definitely on to something there like and i can't decide if it's just one of these deals where like people would just rather see a sketch show or if comedies in this format is exists in other ways but um i guess i noticed that even in the, out of the out of all the different lists and everything that i saw no one's really like trumpeting a lot of like short film comedies. Right. And I, I mean, I know they're there. Like I for sure know that they're there, but like, it's just not like, like, um, so like the, the website that, uh, I, I know I sent you to the main website for limbo to dust dust TV. And like, th that's like a whole, co I mean, that's a whole independent website filled with, I think it's gotta be like three or 400 short films. that are all sci-fi. There is no sci-fi or horror. There is no comparable fucking website that has 300 or 400 comedy short films. Yeah. 
wow, that's a really fucking interesting thing. I did not know about that. Yeah, so I, I, I just be- I don't I don't know what it is, considering that we, as you know, consumers of Western pop culture, we are very familiar with the comedy short in a sketch format. Right. But it's like something that like they just don't amp up to the short film. I don't like maybe it's maybe it's more of like an art thing. Like maybe these people like making short films are really in it for the art element. Could be. And if it if it's a comedy short, like it could be one of these deal twos where like maybe comedy short films like those aren't necessarily the best like jumping off points for could, yeah yeah directors or something like that. Could be. Also because it, it, one of these things too where like um comedy stuff could easily get lost in the shuffle because here you are you could put an entire all this time and effort into writing a comedy sketch but then it gets lost because um there's this video of a guy breaking an egg with his arm yeah i'm so strong and then this little girl breaks the same egg and she's like dude what the fuck and that thing gets five million views you know so yeah that might be the only reason for it um it's just this kind of a combination being lost in the shuffle and, and so Maybe sci-fi and horror, like, are just like um, as far as jumping grounds or vehicles to, uh, you know, advance your career to make something to make something cool. Maybe those are like the the two like gold standard genres of short films. Yeah, and I and I think you, you touched on it right there. I think that you're right with the, the sort of also the there's nothing there's I shouldn't say there's nothing. Rarely is there anything visual about comedy that like needs to be expressed. Right. And when we yeah. talk about these short films, like there's a lot of there's a lot of visual flair to it. Yeah, and like comedy stuff like as as funny as something could be, comedy shorts they just they don't have like longevity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like comedy comedy movies do. Like I mean, people will be watching Caddyshack for 150 years, you know? Like Caddyshack will still be on screens even while the earth and seas are boiling and everybody's dying and stuff. Well, yeah. But like of course. Yeah. But like um comedy shorts like they just it's almost kind of like you see it and then it's on to the next thing yeah you know like there's there's no real reason for you for me to keep watching the same comedy sketch over and over and over again unless i'm showing it to somebody else yeah i mean i i I really like um I, i really like drunk history but it's not something that i revisit all the time right oh yeah yeah you bet like God, you want to talk about something that started off really, really great, and then when they had to make more of them, just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, like, yep. I, like I was when I first saw Drunk History, I thought that this was going to be the greatest thing. I was like, "Wow, somebody finally did this!" I'm like, I, "It wasn't like something. This was like a, an idea I had. I was just like, this is amazing." And then when we're three seasons into it and stuff, and it's like. Okay, yeah, so some of these episodes aren't as good as the very, very first yep. one. <laughs> yep. yep. And, like, I, I remember, like, once it's it's not Crispin Glover as Tesla anymore. Like, it's, uh, I was like, yeah, like, it just, it kind of started to, like, um, I get, they opened up the door to some of the wrong people as far as, like, the narrators and everything. Yep, else. exactly. Um, and just la- one last one here real quickly. Who do you think would be a great short film director? Well, I can definitely tell you it's not Quentin Tarantino because that guy <laughs> will do 20 minutes of one scene talking. Um, if I was going to put out like some, you know, like people that are that are popular now that I think could do it, I uh, I think Ryan Coogler could do it. And I know he's done short films yeah. in the past and stuff like that. So whatever he's he's only going to get better, whether it's in features or shorts. Um, God, 
I could even see like a dude like um, I could even see like maybe one of these guys like um, like Aster, like Ari Aster, him maybe moving into horror okay. shorts in some way. Um, I, I maybe for the life of me can't figure out why he would do it because his movies are so freaking good that there almost really would be no point for him to just make one scare. But uh, somebody like him could maybe do something really, really cool in the in the realm of short films. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Let's go with Aster and Kugler. All right. Gotcha there. Um I, I, I really think that I kind of lean towards horror because I, I think a lot of I think a lot of horror movies probably in their and like I think a lot of horror movies probably like the the pitch was almost a short film in and mm-hmm. of itself to whomever and I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to one of the I, I, I we've talked about it before and I think I called it like one of the best maybe the, it, it, it's it, it hasn't held up over time basically. But like when you go back and look at this particular movie, it feels almost like a student film that has just happens to have some like A-list type actors in it. Um, mm-hmm. That's James Wan saw. Oh yeah, I feel like James Wan could probably turn and pivot and make some really interesting horror shorts. Oh, that guy is the goddamn man! Like for you to go from horror to Aquaman and stuff, like I think Wan has got it going on right now, and I, oh, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember what I know. Aquaman two is coming up, but I can't remember. He's got other things like lined up that are not DC stuff, and I think that that dude is one of those dudes that um, could shoot Aquaman and then like the next day like get up and do something else. Like there's just an incredible like film talent there. No, oh, for sure, for sure. He's got. Uh, I, I know. He, I know. He mentioned it before when we did our when we did our. Um, um, oh fuck. <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank right now? Um, when we did our John Carpenter episodes. Um, yeah. That I kind of like, James Wan has a very interesting career that sort of, I don't want to say mirrors John Carpenter, but has like a very John Carpenter-like sort of uh, pattern to it. Like in terms of like some of the low budget stuff that he's done to like, oh, by the way, here's a blockbuster that you can fucking right. do too. Um, it's just kind of an interesting career. But like, when you go, like again, Saw does not hold up very well. But, like, you can kind of see how this would be, if you were to even chop Saw, pun intended, if you were to chop mm-hmm. Saw down, like, to, like, a 30-minute movie, it'd be a pretty wild short film. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, dude. And now they're getting ready to, they're doing Spiral or whatever. So yeah, the Book a of re- Saw. A reboot of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The Book of Saw. Like, I, do you think that at any point in time, like, Juan thought this thing would ever be as big Never. as it was? Never. Cause yeah, I, I don't, he hasn't returned to him since the first one, right? Yeah, I don't think he has. No, I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I really like. Again, like I really think that the first one is a really interesting sort of exercise in filmmaking. Um, that like when you watch it with today's eyes, it's like, eh, you know, not great. <laughs> like, but like you can appreciate what they're trying to go for. I really found no enjoyment in the subsequent ones at all. Yeah, like I got a, I have a special connection to Saw Three, and it's just because Jason Wood and I saw it, uh, try to kill time before a Mushroomhead concert. But it's not like I'm going out there saying Saw Three is the greatest right. thing ever. And like I'll tell you, like as a premise wise, that is such a genius premise that it, you know you could see how it could be duplicated and then turned into a franchise. Right. But like I could I can understand like watching the first Saw way back when and thinking it's really really good. But over time, if you were to go back and watch the same movie, you're not going to have as positive an opinion because this franchise has been taken to so many extremes. You know, I, I would probably say differently if um, they only made three Saw movies. You probably would go back to watch the first one today and be like, all right, yeah. But yeah. 
they're on this would be like whatever the seventh movie in the the franchise total so it's just when you're at that point in time and it's like oh my god they're making another one no matter what you're gonna go you're you're not gonna have a less positive opinion of the first one exactly exactly all right, Chema. Any uh, any final thoughts here on our uh, on well, excuse me, on your um, short films here, and then kind of on the short film thing in general that we're doing? Okay. Other than I would love to do this again. Like seriously, if there's ever one of those times where it's just hey, let's pick three short films and fucking watch them and do an episode on it, I think that that's a really great idea. I forgot how much enjoyment I get out of um, yeah. out of the short film stuff. I, I echo that sentiment as well, and I am looking forward to our next episode. Um, we're going to continue our short film festival. We are going to we're going to be watching the uh, short the short film animated anthology uh, Love, Death, and Robots. So we're going to be kind of pressing into some territory that we don't really normally talk about um, because I really I really can't think of another time that we've talked about something talked about anything that was fully animated. Yeah, no, I we haven't. I don't think okay. we have. Okay, so and and part of the reason why I picked it was one because of that it's fully animated. It's kind of new territory for us anyway. People who, as two people who, I, not that we're not fans of animation, but just lower on the list of of right. things that we enjoy. Um, so lower on the list in that regard, but also because I, Chema and I asked you this before, but like I couldn't think of anything else that fits in with what we're doing that we could watch other than just more short films. Right. That's yeah, exactly. Like this is a cool, like this almost seems like just something that was just like given to us specifically so we could do this. Like, Hey, yeah. here's a, here's something cool for you guys to watch. And I'm very excited to check it out. Yeah. It's uh, I've, I've already seen it all the way through. I think it's, I think there's like 17 total films or 18 total films, something like that. Um, and I will say this, there's going to be a lot of stuff that ju- there's going to be, a, there's going to be several things that suck. Okay. Um, and the, <laughs> there's going to be several things that you're just like, Oh, this sucks. Um, but there's also it's one of those things because it's and I think this is the interesting one of the interesting things about Love, Death and Robots that they they did just like here. I think it's I, I want to say Tim Miller produced it and someone else who's also equally famous produced it. They basically just said, yeah, whatever you want to do is whatever you want to do. There's no there's no restrictions on, on time length. There's no restrictions on you know content. Do whatever you want. So in that way yeah there's stuff that sucks but like yeah not everything's going to be a hit if you let people yeah. do what they want not everything's going to hit the same way that's exactly right when there's 17 of them not all of them are going to be good right. even when there's five of them there's pretty much a shot not all of them are right exactly good. all right uh, i don't have anything else chumba you want to lead us out of here yeah, you bet. Everybody out there, thank you very much for tuning into the second installment of the Occasionalist Short Film Festival. This is Adam Chemilewski, Matthew Pagel. We thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Take it easy.